There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Witness Mr. Henry Bemis, a charter member in the fraternity of dreamers. A bookish little man whose passion is the printed page, but who is conspired against by a bank president and a wife and a world full of tongue cluckers and the unrelenting hands of a clock. But in just a moment, Mr. Bemis will enter a world without bank presidents, or wives, or clocks, or anything else. He'll have a world all to himself, without anyone. From the CD Game oh, Exchange Studio, <laughs> deep within the broadcasting multiplex of CBS Radio, this is the Rick Emerson Remind Show. me to take that out of the system. Wait, can you uh, drop my microphone level just a, uh, just a hair? All right. And there we go. All right. Remind me to remove that from the, uh, from the system later on. I don't think they're paying for that anymore. All right. Why? Do I sound strangely loud? No. Ow, oh, I do. Wow, what the hell, man? Sorry. Sorry about that. Jesus. That's my fault. All right, let's try that again. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let's go around the room now. <laughs> I like a flying start to the show like that. Uh... You know, the irony of something like that is I don't think the audience is really going to experience that the way we just did unless they're listening uh, online. If they're listening to the podcast, I think they'll uh, I think they'll get to hear that uh, sort of the way we just did. But I think if they hear it post-processing. Uh, All right. Let's go around the room and test everybody's microphone. Hello, Tim. Well, hello. Can you uh, drop that ever so slightly? And sweeten me. Yes, exactly. I'm too sweet. All right. <laughs> There's, there have been some issues lately uh, with the microphones. Uh, sometimes being too loud, sometimes being too quiet, sometimes being sometimes too bright. bright. Sometimes they don't work at all. Sometimes they work, but they're crackly. Sometimes they drop out halfway through sentences. Uh, so Sarah and I are actually making a master list of things for Engineer Matt to look at. And, and, and by the way, I should say first and foremost, I don't believe any of these things are Matt's fault. Uh, I think there is, in fact, a small man on the wing of the plane. And uh, so there are, uh, there are some issues that need to be addressed. I think I've actually lost part of the hearing in my right ear. You were so loud at the beginning there. <laughs> All right. Tim's going to whisper news today. Jesus. All right. Hi, it's 8 minutes and 14 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of March, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and deafening studios of AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Tuesday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. If you would like to be uh, part of our program today, it's so easy a child could do it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the 
interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Thoughts on the best laid plans of mice and men and Henry Bemis, uh, what have you. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, that little opening there from the Twilight Zone, uh, which is the episode Time Enough at Last, which I do believe is episode uh, 6, season 1. That is from CBS.com, uh, where you can now stream full-length episodes of The Twilight Zone and Melrose Place, if that's your passion. So, And by the way, and they have figured out a way to, as they say at CBS, monetize it. Because if you watch, the deal is, I think you go to the CBS website, and they've got, uh, it's The Twilight Zone, the original Star Trek, uh, MacGyver, and Melrose Place are the four that they've, uh, that they've chosen to, to go forward with. And I think they do embed some commercials throughout, but you can watch the entire episode like, right there on your computer. It's pretty badass. So it is from there that I pulled that Twilight Zone opening. So thank you, CBS. All right. It is uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to weigh in with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, uh, your two cents, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up later on today. I actually had to go... You all didn't see this, but I'm going to share it with you now because that's just the sort of program we are. During the couple minutes before the program, I actually had to go fish this post-it note out of the trash because it had small thoughts about the vending machine that I wanted to share with you. And I wrote these thoughts about the vending machine down, put it on a post-it note, and then because I was in a pre-caffeinated state, looked at it, crumpled it up, threw it into the trash, forgetting that I had just written it 30 seconds prior because I needed to convey all these... Uh, so I had to, So just moments ago, I was actually rooting around in a trash can trying to find a piece of paper because it had this observation about the spicy peanuts they stock in the CBS vending machine. That is, in fact, the smallness and futility of my life. I did something similar. <laughs> I, I threw... I threw away my cell phone in a cupcake wrapper the other day. I, I was eating a cupcake, and I had, I had the wrapper in one hand. And myself, I just finished a phone call while eating a cupcake. So you always crumble up the cupcake. What did I do? I put my cell phone in the cupcake paper and threw it in the barrel. Did you, did you ever do things like that, and you just... And it kind of scares you because you don't really... You wonder where your brain went when you were doing that. That is too many things. Driving, That's eating every a cupcake day for me. And talking to were you driving and eating a cupcake? I wouldn't have answered the phone had it not run. <laughs> Let me understand this. So while, while operating a motor vehicle, you were both eating a cupcake, with, and it was in a wrapper. Yes. Well, first of all, can I just speak for everybody when I say I don't even know how you would do the driving in the cupcake. It's, it's, why it's possible. The, it's possible. That's why I took the wrong exit and went out to North 122nd. And I go, what have I done? Eating a that's cup- almost Gresham, Tim. You better be careful. Know, Eating a cupcake is actually... That itself seems to be a two-handed task. Well, uh, you know, I had forgotten about the cupcake. I took it along to eat as a snack on my trip. And I, as I was getting in my cupcake after finishing my ride with Bob the bus driver... <laughs> I said, what is this? That's the missing cupcake, and I'm starving, and I'm glad I left it behind. <laughs> Wait, is this old food you found in your car? No, it was food I was going to take with me for my trip, but I forgot to pack the cupcake in my carry-on bag. Okay. Then I found it on my way out. And that's what led to me throwing away the cell phones. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Fantastic. Um, but compelling when, listening. When, <laughs> well, but I think everybody has that moment. This is what a consultant would call uh, a relatable frustration. Uh, because everybody has those moments where you do something that just doesn't make any sense. Like like packing yourself into a cupcake wrapper and then throwing the whole thing into the trash. And then you sort of come to your senses about ten seconds later and you go, well, and then you wonder exactly where your brain was during that period of time. 
what had gone wrong. And then you start to wonder if you got some sort of degenerative cognitive illness. If you got like Ronald Reagan-sized holes in your brain or something. And then you get like a little bit of a... It's like on Lost when they do a flash forward. You get a little bit of a view into what it's going to be like when you're 85. To like exactly how it is that you will go crazy. So, all right. Fantastic. Uh, in any event, it's uh, for those of you who still have cell phones at hand, it is 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Tim at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, or we are joined today by uh, Kristen Bowie in for Sarah Dillon, who is a little under the weather today. And it is, your email is what? Kristen Bowie at gmail.com. Kristen Bowie, that's all one word? Mm-hmm. No underscore? No underscore. You, let, me under, let me ask you this. Do you see underscores in someone's email and immediately think a little bit less of them? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, underscores and or periods yeah. uh, and or any sort of non-traditional characters in an email, I equate that with not being too terribly bright. Just my observation. Uh, so there you go. Or Chris- someone who sits in chat rooms all day. I'm just saying, it's it, it's uh, it's like somebody who uh, it's like when you go to you see somebody has an email address and it's like their name and like a bunch of like nine seven five five six z you know like really can't you be creative to think of something that somebody else doesn't have? Well, it's just, it's or it's like they they use the thing that the uh, they use the thing that the email program spat back at them when theirs was unavailable. You know, it looks yeah. like your email address is unavailable. How about this with a seventy five digit code after it? Basically equating it to giving up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's an email address that reeks of futility, <laughs> lack of ambition. All right, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be joining us today. As I guess Barack Obama did the, they have to trot this phrase out three or four times a year for various politicians, the speech of his political life. Because uh, I guess he's trying to distance himself from this nutcase preacher that, yes, I don't know, that says America's blah, 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 something, blah, 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 evil, blah, 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 the man, something or other. So uh, we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins about that. Oh, and I saw Hillary Clinton on television this morning. She's in, um, I think she was in uh, Pittsburgh or someplace. She's somewhere in Pennsylvania today, uh, looking haggard, I might add. I mean, her hair, which I've come to believe is not really like human hair. I think it's some sort of, I think it's some sort of like a, a hair-like product that they put on her head because her hair remained flawless. The rest of her, there's some sort of unhealthy weight loss happening in the Clinton campaign uh, right now. I think she just stays up all night flogging people. Uh, and it's not uh, really getting the proper rest or nourishment. So uh, we'll uh, talk to Lisa Desjardins about that. We've got uh, Mark Shearer joining us from New York City where they swore in. I don't even think he had been sworn in yet. I think it was like, I, I don't know if it was before, if it was during the swearing in, it was before. But it was sort of th- that guy who's replacing, what's his name, Spitzer, the hooker guy. So they're, they're swearing in the new guy. And then immediately they start rolling out how the new guy was, like, sticking to do with some woman over the A years. lot of them. Well, so, chicks, jurors, big blind guys. <laughs> the Jersey governor's not having an easy time right now, no, either. No, he's not. Chicks, stick blind guys, because they're less judgmental. I'm sorry, I don't date blind guys. Uh, hey! Sorry. Uh, let's see. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from uh, Los Angeles today. Uh, what else do we have coming up? Uh, we'll be doing the top five. All right, we're going to have a, kind of a non-traditional top five today. And I think that I've got my finger on the pulse here because I had already put this top five together, and I got an email from a guy today. I don't know why it is that dudes. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's I. It's, it's, Rick Emerson appreciates the uh, appreciates the information. I'm just saying, guys feel this compulsion when they injure themselves to photograph the injury and send it to me. And I don't really know to what I should ascribe that. But I got this guy sent me an email today. Just came in. I don't know about five minutes before the show. 
Uh, let's see, where did it go? Rick, uh, I missed your show yesterday. I spent it in the emergency room after cutting my finger. I managed to slice the nerve ending, so now I can't feel anything on one quarter of my whole fingertip. Ouch. Thanks for the recap show. Here's a picture. And then, of course, here's a photo obviously taken, like, with his cell phone in the emergency room of his mangled and bleeding finger. Well, aren't keeping wounds a point of pride anyway? I suppose if you're a guy, guys do kind of like that. It is bad a... smells. Bad smells from a guy. <laughs> They're always proud of him. Dude, get in here. you got to get a whiff of this. <laughs> that is really true. Guys do take a perverse kind of pride in either in having some sort of uh, horrific odor emanate from either themselves or something that they own or... Uh, managing to disfigure some part of their body in a uh, in a bloody fashion. Anyway, so guys are always injuring themselves and then sending me the photos of it, uh, which does I guess beg to be put into some sort of a coffee table book at some point in the future. But so, but today, quite quite by coincidence, we have the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Uh, so we'll be doing that later on today. The top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Uh, what else? Whitney watch coming up today. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Tim Riley uh, working on the following stories for your edification. So we just learned that New York's new governor, who replaced the adulterous one, boasts of numerous affairs of the flesh himself. He's gone on many a blind date. Okay. Punky Brewster has a baby. Somebody fires a gun at a PCC campus yesterday, but doesn't hit anyone. Thank goodness. The IRS will begin rebates on May 2nd only for those who use direct deposit for this year's tax returns. 15-year-old Hannah Montana changes her legal name. She's had her current identity long enough. Well, it's funny that nobody thought about this before. Remember that big Minneapolis bridge that collapsed last year? Yes. Well, they think that 191 tons of construction material piled on that bridge may have caused it to collapse. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. And uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, that uh, semi-driver almost burned to death after his big rig burst into flames and I-205 had fallen asleep at the wheel. Ah, all right. Uh, and we still don't know whether he was wedged in there or whether he was just knocked unconscious or whatever. But the guy came along and pulled him out at the last minute. Yes. All right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Sarah Dillon, uh, under the weather today, I got a, a, a call from her at like 7 in the morning. And you know, it's never, no phone call that you get. I have this whole thing about no phone call between 2 a.m. and 7, 7 a.m. is ever good news. Like, if the phone rings at 3 in the morning, unless it's from someone who I absolutely must talk to, I just don't answer those phone calls. Uh, you know, really, I mean, really, unless it's from work. Like, if a relative or somebody, 3.30 in the morning, you look down, it's like, you're, like one of your aunts calling you or something. You just know that somebody's dead, and they're still going to be dead in the morning, and it's going to disrupt your sleep, so you just let it ring. It's either going to be, here's the thing, a phone call that comes at 3.30 in the morning is either uh, a dead relative or someone who needs to be bailed out of jail. And I very seldom get calls from dead relatives. <laughs> Speaking of the Twilight Zone, do you remember that Twilight Zone episode with the dead grandmother that was calling the grandson on the toy phone? Oh, yeah, that was good. Dude, for a second, because we opened the show here with the Twilight Zone from the, the Time Enough at Last episode starring Burgess Meredith, which scarred me, uh, it traumatized me, and I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a whole generation of kids, and probably a specific type of kid, because I watched... Um, Growing up, when I was like 8, 9, 10, I watched The Twilight Zone religiously as a kid. I remember discovering it on KTSW Channel 11 uh, when I was uh, coming out of Seattle when I was growing up in Kennewick. And it, it made a huge impact on me. I was immediately converted to, 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 to a giant Twilight Zone fan as a kid. <coughs> it really just resonated with me. But I can still remember when I was about, I must have been no more than maybe a second grader, 
for the first time seeing that Twilight Zone episode where Burgess Meredith is the last man on Earth and he loves to read and then he breaks his glasses at the end and just... It isn't fair. No, it's not fair. There, there was time now. And I'm just, as a kid, I, I can't even imagine what I... Uh, the screen must have, like, the episode ended and whatever. And I, I seem to remember my mom coming out, and I was just sort of sitting in front of the television in some kind of catatonic state. Just, just like I've just been sort of mentally gang raped. It just, it was just the most horrifying thing. X minus one was the same way for me. X minus one. Yeah, the old radio shows. They're, they're very Twilight Zone-ish. They're science fiction, really creepy. There's always someone dying in some obscure fashion. It's amazing oh, like how much of that stuff was just as dark as it was mm-hmm. even back then. I mean, Twilight Zone is 45 years old, something like that. There's this episode of the Twilight Zone called Long Distance Call. And it's about, I think it has Billy Moomy, who was later on Lost in Space, uh, and who was also in uh, the Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life. There's this episode of the Twilight Zone called Long Distance Call, and keep in mind, again, this is, you know, this is 1963, maybe, something like that, about a grandmother and a grandson who are sort of unusually close, uh, you know, where they're sort of best friends or whatever. The grandmother... Uh, gives the grandson sort of a toy telephone, sort of, you know, and she's sort of jokingly so we can always talk to each other. The grandmother dies, and then after the grandmother's dead, the father occasionally walks by the grandson's room, his son's room, and the little grandson is in there on the phone talking, and the dad says, to whom are you talking? And the kid says, oh, I'm talking to grandma. And the father thinks, oh, how cute. He still, you know, thinks grandma's alive. He's still pretending to talk to her or whatever. But, of course, at the end of the episode... At the end of the episode, he finds the kid, like, floating in the pond out back because the grandmother has told the kid to go jump into the pond so he can come visit her. It's, like, the creepiest thing ever. I mean, and you just sort of wonder, like, who wrote that and what network executive agreed to put that on the air in 1963? You'd never be able to get away with that No, you'd never be able to do that. I mean, it was great, but it was all kinds of warped, really. I don't remember what I was talking about. Uh, blah, 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 Twilight Zone, whatever. I don't know. I feel kind of discombobulated today. I should say that I slept really badly last night. Why was that? Because the dog kept coming into the room and jumping up on the bed and jumping down and making weird noises. and was kind of waking me up all night. So, And then, you know, not to blame it on Sarah, but then I get to the early morning phone call and it's sort of... Anyway, so I'm feeling my brain is not altogether uh, functional today. So I had uh, many, many observations to make, uh, it, including one about... Uh, the vending machine, uh, one about the clothing that I am wearing today, uh, one about, uh, well, how do I put this? One about a, uh, sort of an, uh, sort of a, an HR matter that is sort of, that everybody here will find amusing. Um, so I have all of that stuff to get to, uh, phone calls, etc. Let me see who, uh, let's see who we've got here. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, how you guys doing? What's up, brother? Listen, I have a Kvetch. Yes. But before I get into it, I'd like to say that I really do love this show. Oh, this sounds preemptive. This sounds like a, now you know I'm a big fan, Rick. But But, let me just say the following 15 things about the way you do the program. Oh, no, oh, no. Just bear with me, and I'll get into this Kvetch. All right. right. Take as much time as you need. Thank you. A couple months ago, I I was, uh, Uh I put on VH1 Classic. Yes. And they had this show that was called I Love the 70s. Right. And I thought, killer, you know, I really, you know, love the 70s. And they have these morons in there that probably half of them weren't even born yet. And, and those that were born were probably in their diapers making comments about the 70s. Well, here's the thing. You can't watch those shows because they're bad for you. Uh, well, 
I, I made it through halfway through one episode, and I just I can't watch this crap. No, it's awful. Um, it, the biggest the, the, the VH1's biggest offense on that score is that they are constantly doing programs where they analyze some genre or style of music, and then you realize that none of the people who are doing the commenting are actually musicians themselves. It's always it's always like three hat comedians and a guy from King of Queens, and that's it. Who so. remember like one line from when they were three years exactly. old? Exactly. Who yeah. have clearly been fed some sort of quirky glib observation to make about the music. Okay, that's where you fit into this kvetch. What year were you born? 1973. When? 1973. I doubt that. <laughs> okay. You are a liar, Rick Emerson. Sorry. Do you know something I don't, sir? Uh... Yesterday, you made the comment about Peter Frampton, about it just being atrocious. Yes. You know, and you had a couple callers, two or three callers at the end of the program that really kind of put you in your place. Can I just tell you, by the way, we often make observations about the last call of the day, uh, sort of wrapping things up and how you want the last call of the show to be really great. We're now going to revise that to include some rules about the first call of the day, but go ahead. Okay. My point is that... You know, I know there's a lot of listeners of my demographic age group that, you know, really <laughs> love that album. Yes? It, I mean, it was an awesome album back in 76. Uh -huh. And you made the comment that, how does a guy come out and, and, and comes out with a live album right off the bat? He made five prior albums. Well, I, that's not really, that's that was not my observation. My observation was... At no point in time does anybody need an 18-minute song. 18-minute songs are always bad. You know what I did? I went home and I played it twice consecutively. Well, you showed me. All right. <laughs> Gotta go. Bye. Rock On came out that year, too. Love to talk to you forever about Peter Frampton, but I, I just have to move on. Wow. Who can suck the air out of the room? All right. Jim Croce. Then I got a name in 1973. You know, 19... I'm not saying Peter Frampton's a bad guy. Uh, you know, I've seen him, uh, you know, interviewed since then. He seems like a likable enough person. He wrote a bunch of the songs for the uh, fictitious band Stillwater and Almost Famous. Mm -hmm. Music industry's, uh, you know, it's a tough racket. I don't begrudge him his success. He makes terrible music. There's just no getting There's no getting around that. James Blunt has recorded a single called 1973. The thing about the Frampton Comes Alive is just one of those albums that I can no longer discern the quality of, though, because I just had to hear it so much. I, maybe there was a time when I really liked Frampton Comes Alive, but having worked in AOR radio and having just... The thing about... And then we have to we have to break lest we get behind. Uh, but the thing about working in radio, and I'm not trying to make working in radio sound like it's the toughest job in the world. Working in radio is, you know... But there's a certain amount of grime and grease with it. I'm just, you know, there's some guy You're working... You're telling me. <laughs> some guy... And skin flicks. There's some guy working in a road crew right now who has no sympathy for anybody complaining about a radio job. I will say this about radio. The thing about radio is, you know how like when you go home some days and you're just in a mood to hear a certain record, you're like, ah, I'm going to go home today and I'm going to put on uh, whatever. I'm going to put on my Chopin today. Or I'm going to go home and I'm going to put on uh, my Willie Nelson. I'm going to go home and I'm going to uh, put on my Ramones record. But you know, but the opposite is true too. Do you ever hear a song and you're just not in the mood to hear it? You're like, God, I don't want to hear Metallica right now. Uh, you know, God, I just don't want to hear a Garth Brooks record right now. It's, I'm not in the mood. Working in music radio, you are forced to yeah, hear it regardless. Yeah, yeah. And so, no, even when it clashes with your mood, even when it's the last thing you want to hear, it is like the definition of a square peg into a round hole. Except instead of saying this peg doesn't fit, it's sort of like taking a hammer and pounding the peg into the hole regardless. So and you then have... you're supposed to go on the air and act like you love it. Exactly. And so you have music. 
music forced on you even when you're not necessarily in the mood to hear that particular song? And Here so it what, comes the fourth time I played Garth Brooks today. <laughs> and so what happens is, over the course of a few years, you really do have certain uh, kinds of music, or in fact, sometimes entire artists, sort of stripped away from you that you can no longer listen to for, for personal enjoyment. Uh, it, it was probably ten years after I left uh, music radio before I could listen to Led Zeppelin for enjoyment. And I was a huge Zeppelin That's fan growing so up. Sad, Having dude. worked in rock radio, I just it took about a decade before I could go home and put on a Zeppelin record and really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's just, I mean, it, it was just, it, it, I just got completely burned out of it. So maybe there was a time when I really enjoyed Peter Frampton. I don't remember that time existing. Uh, and I'm sure, I'll, as the guy said yesterday when he called up, he said, oh, the reason it was so great is because it was a gatefold sleeve and I could sort my pot on it. I think that does indicate perhaps uh, one of the several reasons for that record's success. So, all right. Anyway, I don't mean to be all cranky about Peter Frampton, but please, let's not delude ourselves about the quality of the record, sir. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Uh, James Roop coming up later on. Uh, Mark Shearer, Tim Riley, top five. All that stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. All right, Rick. Time to keep it together. We're going to become more lucid and cogent starting now. All right, there you go. Channeling my inner Navin Johnson. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a skosh, uh, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Uh, later on, James Roop. Uh, we will have the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. And uh, i got to get to all of these small notes, because otherwise they're just going to sit here and they're going to accumulate like so much journalistic kudzu. Is it just me, or do you sound a lot louder now that we came back from break? You know, can I just tell you, and I know this has become a frequent canard on the program, and so I'm going to quit talking about it because it's just going to become one of those things that everybody is annoyed with. Um, But there do seem to be uh, some microphone and processing uh, issues uh, lately, so I don't know to what to ascribe this. Uh, But it does seem like there's some, some ghosts in the machine. As they say, so I'm not going to worry about it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins, joining us now on the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, and how are you on this Tuesday? Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm a little off kilter today, to be honest. Oh, did well, that have anything to do with St. Patrick and his day? No, no, it does not actually. Oh. I am uh, in that way, like almost every other. I am thoroughly lame and non-outgoing. <laughs> Uh, no, I had this. Uh, I was talking earlier that I, I had this, this slept terribly last night because every time I would drift off to sleep, I had this uh, small dog, and every time I would try to drift off to sleep, the dog would come into the room, and he would make some weird noise, or he would jump onto the foot of the bed and sort of, you know, send sort of the shockwaves through the mattress, and I'm kind of, ah! you know, waking up, and then at one point, I'd gotten the dog off the bed, and of course you're trying to do all of this while also trying to stay halfway in your REM cycle, so you're desperately trying not to wake up all the way. And so I'm expending as little effort as possible to sort of get the dog off the bed or to calm down. He's doing neither of those things. And in the few moments when he was not leaping onto the bed, he had somehow gotten a hold of a ballpoint pen and had gone underneath the bed but directly under my pillow where he then chewed the ballpoint pen into tiny little shards. 
So I had this oh sound. Wow. It's like some sort of a miniaturized rock-crushing machine happening about a foot underneath where my ear was. So awesome. Anyway, then I woke up this morning and I got a, I woke up early because I got a call from Sarah Dillon this morning, who was letting me know she's sick and she's not in today, and it's a whole thing. And anyway, I heard so. that exactly. Ugh. Okay, I'm gonna play through. I'm a professional, Lisa. I'm gonna play through the pain. So I'm totally picturing your dog as the rock creature from Neverending Story. Okay, now, wait, is the as uh, as Falcor? Is that the name? See, I don't know this. The big white, the big white fluffy uh, thing from the Neverending Story. No, I'm picturing the Rock Eater. Oh, oh no, no, no! Yes. I haven't seen the Neverending Story for like a decade. I should say, in full disclosure. No, it's amazing you say that. My dog looks exactly like Falcor, though. Oh, really? Hey. Uh, he. It's uh, people have made that observation before. The only this uh, our friend Aaron, who's kind of a, a big nerd. The first time he uh, met my dog, I was like, hey, it's the never-ending story thing. So he's just a big, white, fluffy, goofy-looking uh, dog. He, so he does look like he should be a large, winged creature upon whose back you are flying. Oh, that's cool, yeah. All right. Uh, it, 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 there's all of this stuff going on. I don't know. Hillary's in Pennsylvania speaking somewhere yep. today about something. Can I just say this between you and I? I don't mean this in a sexist way either. She looks bad. Uh, she it, looks a little tired, more tired than usual. I think she's been, uh, you know... Uh, Staying up late. Haggard. She looks... I don't think there's a lot of sleep uh, going on in that campaign right now. No. And it, it, would you agree that... I mean, that campaign... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it ages you. I mean, working on a campaign like that, you're mm -hmm. probably not eating correctly. You're not getting the right amount of sleep. It's a constant state of stress. I mean, that's got to be like dog years working in a presidential campaign. She does endeavor to eat well. You know, her whole thing is she tries to eat salads, and she, she really does try to eat better than the average politician but it does not look like she's getting a lot of sleep right now and in fact actually if you saw bill clinton was on cnn in an interview yesterday i think he looks like he's getting more sleep i think it seems like he he may be resting a little bit more than her right now uh we've got a couple other things first of all i saw that uh obama gave uh and i was i was noting earlier they've got to roll this phrase out two or three times every election cycle he gave the speech of his political life today <laughs> uh where he's trying to distance himself from this uh i don't know this kind of nutcase preacher guy that uh, that they are that that now uh amorphous forces are attempting to link to him uh they, they, i know that there's i mean that's it does seem kind of obvious that there are sort of uh, shadowy hands at work trying to inextricably tie the two uh, but so he he is attempting to kind of thread this needle where he distances himself uh, while not attempting to while see, while attempting to seem sincere about it. If that makes sense. Right. You know, so cynical, Rick. Now, I'm just saying. I'm just saying he because he was very careful to say uh, that the you know the black experience in America does have. Uh, you know, there are challenges, and there is, I think he actually did say, I think he actually said that it does involve both hope and bitterness. And it, uh, yeah. you know, and that there are both the positive and the negative, and the, uh, and the joy and the sorrow and the everything. So he is trying to keep a little bit of the message while obviously trying to get a little arm's length distance between him and the guy. It's a fascinating speech, actually. You know, I use the term major speech, and I, I, I think... This could be, you know, this could be the the most important speech of, of his campaign. It's hard to say. It's it's almost difficult to talk about because there are so many ways to dissect it and look at it. This is not your average political speech. He took that situation with Reverend Jeremiah Wright, and and he really was able to flip it around and uh, use it as a pivot point for a much larger discussion. In the end, he had a couple of messages. One of them was. 
all right, we can go ahead and kind of play this name-calling game where you bring up uh, supporters of mine who have said stupid things, and I bring up supporters of yours who have said stupid things, but that's not going to get us anywhere. So, again, Obama trying to be above it, as, he, as and that's, he's been most successful when he uses that kind of rhetoric, when he stays above it all. And that's what he's saying today. He's like, go ahead, be petty, but that doesn't get us anywhere. And then the other message, uh, almost a Bill Cosby-like challenge to the races, to to deal with their stuff, to the things that people don't talk about, to really look at look at it. Uh, he said directly to African Americans, uh, we need to not be victims. We need to take care of our, our business. We need to make sure uh, we have strong fathers in our family. He said that directly, and he said also um, African Americans, in his words, need to realize that many white workers don't feel the privilege of their race, and, and they struggle just like minorities. You know, you're not the only one struggling, uh, black America is what he was saying. The issue is people across the board who have problems with health care, not just blacks or whites. To white America, he said directly, uh, there needs to be an acknowledgement that, uh, that there is serious discrimination and that something needs to be done about it, not just words. So really some challenging and blunt words about race that I think uh, – We'll see if the country's ready for it, but it's not something that we've heard from politicians very often. It's, it was a great speech. It was well-written, well-delivered, and, uh, and if if he does end up sort of going uh, going all the way, I think that the speech will clearly be, you can sort of, it's one of those moments, I think, where you can kind of see the historical moment of the making. I think okay. it will be looked back upon as one of the defining moments of okay. his uh, either campaign or presidency. Much depending. as JFK's speech, where he where he touched on being Catholic. Absolutely. Tried to um, him, yeah. And uh, very quickly here, I know that the, the, the so what so I guess Florida is now off the table. I guess they are they have now officially put the quash on having another vote. Yeah, no more vote in Florida. Florida is no do over, nothing, no mail in, nothing, nothing. But. It looks like they are going to try and work out a deal, and many people think that they actually can do it, too, uh, to, to try and use either that first vote or to give Florida delegates in another way, maybe split them 50-50 or uh, split them according to the national vote. That's what Barack Obama would like because he's leading in the national vote. Hillary Clinton, of course, would like them to split it according to that first primary somewhere in between, they're hoping for a compromise. You know, can I just tell you that Florida really is like the Fredo Corleone of, of America <laughs> and American politics, where they just, they try so desperately to have their act together and to do things properly, but they just can't avoid making a mess of it somehow. You know what I mean? They really... He's not talked to someone like Mo Green like that. <laughs> well, see, come on, that's why people love you. How great is that that you just did that? I'm smart! Not like they oh, say. Fine. I know things. All right. Fantastic. Uh, are you on tomorrow? I am. Here uh, all week. All right. Fantastic. Uh, as always, have a great day. We will talk to you tomorrow. Lisa Desjardins. Okay. Thank you. There you go. Lisa Desjardins. Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, I'm smart. I know things. That's Excellent. Great. That's wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Uh, so we have uh, Mark Shearer who will be joining us here. Uh, just a few. Uh, Tim Riley coming up at uh, noon with the uh, noon news hour. Uh, we have the top five coming up later on today. Let's see, just a couple uh, brief uh, notes here before uh, Mark calls in. Uh, a, so I guess this is uh, this is tomorrow. This is Tebow has, and I've touched on this before, but Tebow has completely stripped me of my ability to know when anything is on or on what channel it airs. Because I just, I don't even really know. It's sort of like a set it and forget it kind of a thing. Where I like on Tebow, I'll get the season passed to 
you know, whatever, like Top Chef or something, and then it just sort of appears on the TiVo, and I don't know when it taped. I don't know from what channel I got it. It just sort of showed up. Um, so I guess South Park is Wednesdays at 10 still. Uh, anyway, so tomorrow uh, is a Britney Spears-centric episode. Uh, description. The boys help Britney Spears get to the North Pole and discover the shocking secret behind her popularity. So there's A, that, and then that also uh, that also sort of dovetails with the fact that I'm like, I would say at this point I'm roughly, uh, I don't know, 900 episodes or something behind on South Park. Because I know that since I, South Park became one of those shows that I just sort of took for granted because it was always on and it was always in reruns. And it was all, you know, and it was, they've, Comedy Central's been very uh, cool about making it available on the net. And you can get it on DVD and you know, what have you. And so as a result, because it was available all the time, I just sort of always assumed, well, I won't watch it tonight. I'll just catch it in a rerun at some point. And then there's just so much to get to on television. Uh, and this is a uniquely American problem, by the way. There's so much to get to on television that I've just sort of gotten to nothing. Uh, so I know they did a, a World of uh, Warcraft episode at one point recently that I haven't seen. I've missed that one, too. They did I've the, heard it's epic, though. They did, like, the three-part Imagination Land series, uh, you know, episodes, which I haven't seen. So, all right. So uh, one of my new resolutions uh, for the month of March is to try to get uh, up to speed on South Park. Uh, second, Rick. On Wednesday's Letterman show, alert your geek squad that the cast of Battlestar Galactica will be doing the top ten list. That is fantastic, uh, Steve. Uh, he says it will be on YouTube the next day. Actually, it will be here the next day uh, because every day at 2.50 uh, we uh, have the Letterman top ten from the night before. So tomorrow night, uh, right here on CBS, uh, Wednesday's Letterman show, cast of Battlestar Galactica uh, doing the top ten. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Good. How are you guys? I am fantastic. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, I would say enthusiasm-wise, I am a 9. Competency today, 4. But that's okay because it does give you a mean of 6.5. And, and, and you, you can be mean, too. Yes, indeed. Uh, so what is it with you guys and your governors? I uh, Is there something... I don't really understand. This is sort of the thing. What's that term they use in politics? Vetting? Don't people uh, sort of uh, look into this stuff before you go electing people? Yeah, well, they also say politics makes for strange bedfellows. <laughs> sometimes right. more sometimes more literally than others, Mark Shearer. Yeah. Yes. Well, there, there's two stories going on around here. Uh, one's been going on for a long time, and then these, well, there's three totally. <laughs> you know, let, let's start with L.A. Spitzer. You know, he, that, that's last week's news. He's yes. gone resigned uh, when his name came up in a prostitution scandal, right? So yesterday his replacement is inaugurated. David Patterson. Everybody loves him. He sits down... Sometimes right biblically. After, yeah, right, right after he was uh, inaugurated yesterday, he sits down and the uh, a newspaper, New York Daily News, says, what's this about rumors we hear that you've had extramarital affairs? He tells the paper, yes, I had an affair. He, his wife, is sitting in on the interview, says, so did I. They went through a rough patch in their marriage around 1999-2000. So, uh, you know, big story, right? And then, uh, so there's a big clamor for him to meet with the press. He does this afternoon, and he dropped the other shoe drops. He says, well, I, I had affairs with more than one woman. Several, in fact, including one who's a state employee. <laughs> okay. uh, but he, he quickly said, no, 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 he wasn't my staffer. He didn't work. Or she, he, she, pardon me. She, now, say now you're conflating New York and New Jersey. You know, I know, yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she wasn't my staffer. She didn't work under me. <clears throat> so to speak. Yeah. 
and uh, and so there was nothing wrong there, and no public money was spent. And he just says we wanted to come out, uh, we wanted to talk about it because. Uh, we knew it was going to come out. How low the bar is set, by the way, that now in politics, the big thing is to point out that while you were porking some other women, the taxpayers weren't paying for it. That, yeah, that's all that really counts. I mean, and look, don't get me wrong. The Rick Emerson Show, we are not prudes nor Puritans. Uh, I don't care what anybody does in their personal life. Doesn't matter to me. Have a have a stable of... Uh, have a stable of kept women, you know, in a shed out back. I don't care. It, it really it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, but it, 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 I mean, the thing with Elliot Spitzer, of course, is that he was the uh, the lock up the Johns and the Hookers uh, governor. Exactly. And so they, that is, in a way, like good news for this guy, right, for Patterson, because he comes in on the heels of a guy who is just such an oily uh, hypocrite that. As I just said, you know, as, as long as he can say that, like, you know, that the people weren't paying for him to go off and bonk some girl, then people are probably going to, uh, you know, be largely uh, forgiving about this. And by the way, he hasn't been, you know, using his lieutenant governor's uh, pulpit uh, or, or his state uh, senate pulpit for years, uh, railing against extramarital affairs. Right. He's not a he's not a hypocrite. Okay, so now this uh, now. I, you, you mentioned the third thing, which is former New Jersey Governor James McGreevy, and so this has been sort of developing over, well, A, over the course of like a year or something, right? And then, but also within just the last few days. No, where do, where do we begin? We back up a little bit. You remember he came out and said, I am a gay American. Right? Yes. She said, I am shocked. I had no idea. This is the wife who said this. Yes. She being uh, Dana Matos McGreevy. Uh-huh. Then they launched a nasty, long, drawn-out divorce case. And they're right in the middle of it right now. She starts popping up last week on television in the wake of the Elliot Spitzer case when people want to know why wives of public officials stand by their, the sides of their, their husbands when they're in disgrace giving their, their final news conference. And so she's uh, popping up on television saying, well, you know, uh, it happened to me and uh, I was shocked and stunned to learn. Well, this annoyed uh, apparently... <laughs> A former employee of the McGreevies, a driver. A I'm sensing a driver. theme here with uh, the elected officials and their employees or former employees. Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy says, oh, hey, come on, what's she talking about? She's not naive. We used to have threesomes all the time. <laughs> Fantastic. I love this country. I uh, Let's see here. So uh, this, is the, this is really the money phrase here. And this is, um, uh, I forget, this is, it looks like it's from the AP or this, this might be from, yeah, it's right here. This is the phrase. Uh, this is from the New York Post. It says, the three would meet at a local, this is the touch of class, the three would meet at a local TGI Fridays and have drinks. Then they would head to McGreevy's Woodbridge, New Jersey home for, quote, now, a hardcore consensual sex orgy, end quote. <laughs> it, it's, it's been pointed out somewhere, oh, I think um, by the guy. Now, wait a minute. I'll see if I can find it here. But the, the, one of them went to great... Uh, lengths to make sure that it, it was clear that one that the, the two men didn't touch each other. Of course no, because that would be weird. <laughs> it's not weird enough that they all go to a TGI Fridays and then go to the governor's mansion and like bonk it out all night. And the but here's the other thing. Um, this is the a driver now. said Peterson told the Post he believed his participation in the group sex was blessed by Manos McGreevy, who's the wife. He liked watching me and she would watch me while she was performing sex acts with Jim. In my opinion, me being part of the sexual relationship enhanced it for both of them. Um, now, I don't... Uh, this this article here does not have the great phrase that I read yesterday, which is where the driver was, and this is just his speculation, the driver was speculating that because McGreevy, uh, James McGreevy later came out as being the gay, 
uh, the, the speculation was that McGreevy uh, was not able to achieve nor sustain with his wife unless the like the, the like the uh, the driver was there to be stared at. Well, that seems to make sense. Though. So it's like one of those lame married couples that have to have the uh, softcore porn playing in the bedroom so they can like get it on properly. Well, now we should say for the record, uh -huh. Dina, Dina Matos McGreevy says not true, no three ways. And we should also say that Jim McGreevy has come out and said after the aide claimed this, he said, yeah, yeah, it happened. So we're saying. Let me ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, how much do you like your job today? <laughs> it's. I'm, I don't even, I, like I said, I don't know where to begin. Yeah, no, it's uh, really the TGI Fridays is really what the... Oh, this, okay, so I'm seeing in the New York Post now, the Post actually has the greatest headline, I was McGreevy and wife's three-way sex stud. There's a, bam. All right, my, uh, my friend, enjoy the rest of your day. We will talk to you at some point in the near future, I'm sure. Keep this in mind. There's still another state, Connecticut, in the tri-state area. Keep your eyes on it. <laughs> Make it a solid sweep. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Okay, it's going to be a good day after all. All right, I'm kind of getting in the groove here. I was not the first 20, uh, 20 minutes or so of the show, not in the groove. Now, approaching the groove. Not entirely in the groove. Nearing the vicinity of the groove right now. It says here, sometimes the trio took their show on the road. On business trips, including the Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino at Atlantic City, they shared one room, leaving others in the entourage baffled. Yeah. It became almost laughable. I would never have my own hotel room, said Peterson. Everyone thought this was weird, but we just brush it off. I love the idea that while they're, that while of the whole, you know, the, the, the campaign or whatever, the political entourage is on the road, everybody has their own room except for the chauffeur guy who is staying in the same room as the governor and his wife. And nobody ever asks, like, why are you doing that? So... Then uh, it's a, I would go to the condo, and usually they'd still be in bed. I sometimes go up, sit on the edge of the bed, and rub Dina's legs through yeah. the comforter. Sexy. All right. You know, for once, wouldn't you love to see a guy, sort of Bullworth style, just come out and just, just put all this out there as he is running for office? Just come out and do, I have sex constantly with anybody that will have me. I think he'd gain a lot more respect that way. Seriously. I would absolutely love I love three ways. <laughs> He's Tim Riley, and he'll be back with the news hour right after this. It's Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, the top five injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. And uh, if we have time here, quite possibly it's the worst song you've ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. For the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, then I have this, that Spitzer has used hookers for ten years. Well done. Does he with, get a With prize? successful results. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Excellent. <laughs> I'm telling you, all these uh, politicians in the New York and New Jersey just can't keep their drawers on. Can't they? I got a great email. This is Rick. 
Um, says about white people being lame. Uh, read TGI Fridays and a consensual sex orgy. Rick's statements to the media are terrible, especially made by white bread idiots trying to explain what they do in the sack. What is a, quote, hardcore consensual orgy? A softcore consensual orgy presumably means just a bunch of people with their shirts off pretending to have an orgy under the covers. It wasn't one of those date rape orgies either where everybody gives each other a mickey and then they pass out in a pile at the end. And there's no better way to kick off one of those events than with a bloomin' onion and a series of $9 apple teenies. I'm guessing around there the swingers kick it off at an Applebee's with some chicken wings or possibly a Red Robin after eating seven plates of all-you-can-eat steak fries. <laughs> That's the most horrifying email I've ever received. Uh, right. More onion rings? Oh, we'll get to that soon enough. <laughs> it's going to be an onion ring toss. <laughs> well, locally, a man led Washington County deputies on a high-speed chase in a Hillsborough early this morning. 26-year-old William McCormick was wanted for a parole violation and was able to escape from police during an earlier chase in Hillsborough at the intersection of Southwest 209th and Farmington Road. He was later spotted again on TV Highway, and deputies say they chased him at speeds up to 100 miles an hour. They used spike strips, but were unsuccessful. So this chase continues in the Hillsborough. He eventually blew his engine, and then uh, he was forced to pull over near Hillsborough High School around 2 o'clock this morning. Then he bailed out of the car. They caught up with him on foot, and they arrested him without any further problems. His pregnant girlfriend was in the car at the time. Of course she was. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a, it's a great relationship in the making here. She was not hurt. Well, and uh, she that. should she should have uh, his baby with no complications whatsoever. The so they can begin this whole process for a new generation. <laughs> so the cycle can start anew. Mm-hmm. The first of many babies, undoubtedly. Oh, by the way, speaking of, of babies, so uh, I was on, uh, uh, God, Powell the other day. Powell and, I guess, Milwaukee. It's right by the Aladdin Theater. And for the past three work days, and I don't know if she might be there on the weekend too, but probably not. For the past three working days, there's been a pregnant woman standing in the middle of the road, that concrete uh, island that divides the road, mm-hmm. on Powell at Milwaukee, walking back and forth with the big, like, sort of tattered cardboard sign that pregnant, needs some money. And yesterday she was wearing name-brand brand-new clothing, too. Really? And, mm-hmm. and smoking when I saw yeah, her, by yeah. the way. So, her I baby's really And important. smoking. And smoking. <laughs> walking around smoking, pregnant, holding uh, the sign that says, you know, pre- and I do believe pregnant was misspelled. Uh, the, 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 the walk, and then, and but then I'm, I'm stuck at the red light, and I'm, you know, I'm a fifth back in the row of cars, and she's standing there, you know, very pregnant, holding the sign, smoking, asking strangers to give her money, and you see that it's working because every so often it, you, she would walk over to a car, and a hand would come out of the driver's window, and a guy would let you be giving her however much money. So, so basically, whether you're in Gresham or Southeast Portland. Free money equals oh, babies. Exactly. Yeah. Or babies equal Baby, free money, rather. I would say yeah. actually yeah. both. Probably <laughs> both. Because, you know, like as I just said with this other story, that is probably the first of many children for her. Mm. So it was all I could do to not just it, to go buy like a big 12-pack of rubbers and give those to her instead. Now she might be able to afford two high heels instead of one. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Uh, the Cascade campus of uh, Portland Community College was locked down yesterday afternoon after somebody fired a gun and a crown on campus. Confusion reigned as the cops originally swarmed into the scene shortly after 4 o'clock, responding to a report of a shooting in progress. They determined that no one was uh, shooting a gun by the time they arrived, but they did find a gun in some bushes a little bit later on, uh, not far from there. Uh, officer, it was wrapped in uh, clothing about a block and a half from the North Killingsworth campus, and it fit the description the shooting witnesses had given them. 
Though they apparently found the gun, they did not find the shooter. By 9 o'clock, the suspect had still not been caught, and investigators haven't been able to determine the intended victim or victims. By the way, speaking of people who, um, and, and, and the way that they interact with their children, mm-hmm. so I was at the plaid pantry the other day. Pardon me. Got a little uh, something there. One moment, please. Sure. We'll hang on. You'll all wait. Uh, so I was at the plaid pantry the other day, and a guy... Did you ever at the store and there's somebody in front of you or behind you and they're buying sort of an odd combination of items? And I don't mean like a combination of items that are necessarily even like sexual in nature, just sort of a strange combination of things like uh, Cheez-Its and maxi pads or something. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a guy in front of me at the plaid pantry and here's what he's buying. He's buying a full-size box of Frosted Flakes cereal mm-hmm. and then two small a sort of single-serving jugs of milk, uh, like the uh, you know whatever they sell, like uh, you know like like a cup of milk or however much that is. So he's in front of me, and he has the full-size box of Frosted Flakes, and then the two small individual servings of milk. And I thought oh, that's kind of interesting. And then this is what he asks the clerk. See if you can figure this out. He says to the clerk, he says he he uh, gestures to the small servings of milk that he's buying, and he says. Hey, is this the kind of milk that kids like? Or that, No, no, no. It, no, no, no. He said, is this the kind of milk that's good for babies? That was his phrase. So these tiny little small, I forget what they're called. They're called moo servings or whatever. But it's, you know, the plaid pantry, the little, the little one shots of milk. And he says, is, is this the milk that's good for babies? And the woman said, ah, you know, I, I really don't know. And he goes, well, all right. But I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the full-size box of Frosted Flakes and the two small servings of milk, and I'm thinking, well, what the hell is going on with that purchase? The little... Clearly, the milk is for a baby, mm-hmm. and yet he's buying a large box of Frosted Flakes, which indicates that he would also have a large container of milk at home to go with the cereal. So, and if he doesn't, if he does have milk at home to go with the cereal, why isn't he giving that to the baby? Maybe someone told him that that's the milk that's not good for babies. But, I mean, if you really needed something that was really healthy for a baby, would the Plaid Pantry be your first stop, like in any event? I mean, no disrespect to the Plaid Pantry. This was in southeast Portland, right? It was across the street. Okay, well, <laughs> well I mean, that Plaid Pantry is included, too. I mean, it's, it's sort of a, it's it an honorary Yeah. So, <laughs> that's someone that reeks of urine. It just, <laughs> as you're approaching, you can smell it like it, a block away. It just didn't that make any... complex smell of urine. It didn't no, make it any sense. I was like, well, if he's buying a box of cereal... He must have milk at home, which he would then give to the baby. If he doesn't have milk at home, then why isn't he buying a large container of milk here to then split between the baby and the cereal? And I, I probably spent five solid minutes afterward trying to puzzle it out. Really like a disproportionate amount of time. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, I got a story for you. I was uh, doing a job out by a car dealership in Vancouver that... Uh, Right by the freeway. When you say and doing a job, do you mean killing somebody? No, no, I, oh. I run a landscape company. Oh, well, and, uh, really? Do you also do yeah. waste management? No, okay. yeah, sometimes. All right. So anyway, so you're doing the job. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, this car pulls up. It's probably a, a newer Malibu or something. And uh, two people in the car, guy, guy and a gal. And uh, the gal gets out, and she has, uh, pulls out her, her cardboard uh, sign out of the back seat. And, uh, of course. He flips up his DVD player, kicks back, and uh, starts watching a movie. Get to work, woman. Yep, exactly. And then I, I walked up to him, and I just, you know, I was kind of disgusted, but I was just more of a 
more wondering than anything. I said, how, you know, how does this work? You know, how do you rate? He goes, well, I'm next, and, uh, you know, why work when you can have people just give you money? That that is truly the most American thing I've heard all day, though, really. That is this country in a nutshell. Hey, you know, this this is actually a pretty interesting idea. We ought to get somebody, uh, uh, like either a listener or like some street team guy or something, and... Have the audience brainstorm what kind of sign would be the most effective and stick him out there on the street for a whole show and see how much money he gets. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's... That's a great idea for a kooky radio bit. Well, well, there's the guy who had the sign, uh, Family Killed by Ninjas Need Money for Karate Lessons. I think I saw that guy. I saw that guy or a guy who had the same thing. Uh, that was the greatest. Because it's like, you know, that like here's what I don't need to see again. The the guy that says, like, why lie? I need a beer. That was right. funny like 12 years ago. Right. That's a great idea I just had. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, great, great show ever. Thank you, my friend. That's like the one time I was in Seattle. I was on my way to the Kingdom to see uh, some show years ago, and a guy—I can't remember now the exact verbiage of it—but a homeless guy came up to me and he had like a couple of change and he was sort of rattling it, and he had those like the most absurdly uh, specific thing he was trying to buy. It was like, and this is this is way back, kind of before the coffee craze, but he he it was something like I need money for like a double tall half calf soy latte with cream or something. <laughs> And it was just so strangely, I was like, sold. And I gave him like $3 right there. So, uh, all right. Note to self. Let's all, I'm going to write this down now. Zany radio bit. Uh, design sign. Listener gets money. Sign. Money. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. A Washington State nurse stands accused of heading to Portland last week to have sex with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh, my God. Have you seen this mugshot? Jesus, God, he looks, he looks like a salami wearing glasses <laughs> from a deli counter. Dude, that is the check ugliest, out this mugshot. That is the ugliest person well, I've oh, seen today. Oh, my God. There are plenty of them out there. I mean, and the story is horrible on like a thousand uh, it, different a, levels. Mine is not having glasses. a neck. He doesn't even have a chin. No, it's, he look for Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, he looks like that guy whose name I forget, but he's the huge, huge, and when I say huge, I mean literally like 12 feet across. His name is James Eggleston, and he comes from Shoreline, Washington. There's that Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I think it's season two, where there's that huge, massive uh, demon who is like Jabba the Hut size, and he's sitting in a giant jacuzzi for the whole episode. And he's got weird fangs, but he's basically just this big, nude, fat uh, demon sitting in a jacuzzi that they electrocute at the end. But he's literally like 12 feet across. Mm. And it's just like a little... This is what that guy looks like. And he was on his way to have sex with whom? A three-year-old and a five-year-old. Jesus. He has previously admitted to molesting children in Washington, Texas, and abroad. What, was he like trying to establish his bona fides or something? Whose children were they? It doesn't say. Ugh, man. You know, there's a whole lot of people in this world that ought to... Is that clear who the children belong to? How investigators believe he planned to meet them? Taking up air that could be used by humans. Jesus. I mean, that's enough neck for five people. <laughs> you know, that guy ought to be used to feed the homeless. The home... Really? I mean, the people are hungry, need food. That guy right there. God damn. Creepy. I mean, really, it's... He's... I mean, I'm not trying to make light of the whole molesting aspect of it, because obviously we, that's just so vile as to almost defy comprehension. I mean, but his, his, his head needs to be put in the, the jar for further study. The, the visual of this guy, though, because I saw this this morning. Somebody emailed it to me, and I think I think the phrase that they used when they emailed it to me was like, oh, my God, my eyes, my eyes, my eyes. And I didn't even see what he'd been accused of. I just clicked on the link and opened it, and I literally 
uh, sort of pushed back from my monitor. Mm -hmm. When his face came up on my screen, I kind of went, ah! And I sort of pulled back a little bit. I mean, it's that neck of his. I mean, it's... Several people could live inside that neck. I was just going to say, you could smuggle a small family inside that neck. Jesus, God. Well, he's going to get his, so... All right. I, it's just it's it's so vile as to to almost not even be explicable. Jesus. Uh, oh, that semi driver who fell asleep at the wheel caused his traffic to burst into flames. This happened on I two hundred five yesterday morning. Uh, the driver of the rig is Jeffrey Hartung. He's forty three from Northeast. He was severely injured. He managed to escape from the semi because a motorist stopped to help and pulled him from the burning truck. The truck was nearly destroyed by a fire after it crashed into a tree. So, uh, apparently, didn't get enough sleep, so that's that. Hey, this email says, Rick, one time some years ago at Kmart, I bought a box of shotgun shells and a pack of condoms at the same time. Just thought you'd like to know. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up? Hey, so that, that girl you're talking about on Milwaukee and Powell? Yeah. I see her. You know, I, I work in that area. I see her all the time. And, you know, I, I made the same observation you did. I mean, she's wearing, like, moderately nice clothes, and she looks clean. And I thought to myself, who wow, wouldn't no. want her? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Who wouldn't want to that. impregnate that? <laughs> no, I uh, I actually thought to myself, she could probably make even more money if she'd, like, splash some mud on her face or something, you know? I mean, that's she doesn't even, I mean, she doesn't even really look that grubby. I actually, and I'm not saying she's not pregnant, but I did actually have my suspicions. You know, I thought that, too. She I, should I was, own the pregnancy thing, though, because there's so many men out there who have pregnant women fetishes. I mean, she could totally, like like the foot fetish models. Totally. I mean, you can make a ton of money off of that. Oh, let you stroke my stomach for $5. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, I I mean, I was I was questioning that, too, whether she's really pregnant or she has, like, a fat suit or something. And it's really, I was thinking about that yesterday when I saw her. It's funny how we all had the same idea, though, that she's actually not, uh, she's not really pregnant. She's like pregnant. one of those hard shell stomach Or, or just, yeah. you know, like, a, you know, whatever, like some sort of a half-inflated uh, bullet, you know, not bowling ball, half-inflated, like, ball of some kind from the store. Hey. A small round yeah, pillow from Ikea. Exactly. Totally. I mean, it's. Uh, I would be curious to know. I'd like to see some sort of like Freakonomics style analysis of what variables give you the most return when you are a homeless guy holding a sign. You know what I mean? Is it because what are the ones you see? Pregnant, uh, homeless vet. I dog. See dog. Oh, your dog and a piece of twine. And let me just say this. Must feed my dog. Seriously. How about I take your dog and feed it and you mm -hmm. stay out here, yeah. dick. Uh, every time I see that, it's like when I see a kid with some uh, grubby, hideous, stupid family. You just want to take the kid and, like, steal it and give it to another family at random, knowing it will have a better life. Every time I see a homeless guy with a dog on the end of a piece of twine, don't you just want to, like, take the dog and leave the homeless guy and say, like, fend for yourself, ass? I've been seeing a lot of homeless people with kittens lately. How, how 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 can you be homeless and own a kitten? They pretty much choose where they want to go. Yeah, I don't understand that. Hey, 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 Rick, kind, yes, of, kind of on the on the same, same subject, uh, you were talking about South Park earlier. Yeah. There's a, there's a recent episode that you should really try to see. It's uh, entitled Night of the Living Homeless, where, yeah. uh, where Trey Parker and Matt Stone, like, they make the homeless look like the, the Walking Dead. Really? Yeah, it's okay. really excellent. That's pretty good. I'm going to spend, like, I think I'm going to set aside a Saturday or a Sunday in the next few weeks, and I'm going to do nothing but watch South Park all day so I can be caught up. You know, um, you, you should do, do a search, um... Like uh, online, just do a search for like South Park episodes, and I found a website you can go to, and it's not like a. I mean, it actually works. You can just click on episodes of South Park, and it plays them right there on, on your browser. Really? That's yeah. fantastic. You should I mean, uh, I, you should be sure to email me that link. 
Yeah, me and a friend on Monday, you know, sat down and watched like five hours worth. So excellent. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, drop me an email with that. I will. All right. Thank you. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, 15 years after being named after a pole dancer was enough. Miley Cyrus, whose given name is Destiny Hope, has filed papers in Los Angeles County Superior Court to legally change her name to Miley Ray Cyrus. She's 15 and the daughter of country star, well, former Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> really? Who filed the papers last Friday with his wife, Leticia. Her father writes in the filing that the request was made to make her commonly used name the same as her legal name. All right. Country star Billy Ray Cyrus. Do you guys play uh, this couple? Uh, does he have new music that anyone uh, cares about? He has about? a duet with Miley right now, and we've started playing his old tunes Excellent. ever since Hannah Montana hit it big. That's okay. I think he got kind of a raw deal the first time mm-hmm. around, so I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. All right. He's done nothing wrong. No. So they talked about the remember that bridge that collapsed in Minneapolis last year, yes, and everyone was scratching their heads. How did it happen? Well, perhaps it happened because somebody piled 191 tons of construction material on the weakest areas of the Interstate 35 bridge shortly before the span collapsed in the Mississippi River. Piles of rock and sand to be used in resurfacing the bridge were placed over steel gusset plates, connector joining bridge beams, which were thinner than they should have been. That, according to the National Transportation Safety Board. The August 1st collapse near downtown Minneapolis killed 13 people, injuring 145. The NTSB says it expects to produce its final report of the cause by the end of the year. What could that cause Which be? will immediately be disputed by Willie Nelson, who will, compl- who will claim it was a controlled demolition. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So uh, I guess that's that. Right. Well, that explains it. Well, don't go piling 200 million. How much? 200 million pounds? Uh, 191. I'm sorry, 191 million. Don't go doing that. that seems... Now, see, somebody is claiming that we already did... The, the homeless sign bit years ago. I don't remember that. Do you? I don't remember that. Let's do it again anyway. <laughs> here's the, but here's the weird thing about it. So somebody, I'm now reading a succession of emails about this idea I had, and someone says, first of all, A, that we did it several years ago uh, when we were at uh, Max Night 10. Uh, and Doug then, Radio for Guys. Doug Radio for Guys. Leave the toilet seat up and pee on your foot. <laughs> I'm going to go service mark that right now. Uh, um, so somebody says that we did that homeless bit at Max, and then subsequently, I know this is hard to believe, subsequently the Jammin' guys did it, and then the Willamette did it last year. So the question is, do we do the bit again, Then, thus looking like we are stealing from either the Willamette and or Jammin', or... It, or do we do it again because apparently we originated it anyway and then it was stolen from us? Or do we just not do it at all? This is too hard. to. I'm going to have to come back to this. This is too complex. All right, here's Tim Riley. Punky Brewster has had a baby. Her real name is Salil Moon Fry. And her husband have welcomed a new addition. A rep for the actress, yes, she still has one, says that um, Miss Brewster gave birth to Jagger Joseph Blue. Goldberg. It has four names. Jagger, Joseph Blue, Goldberg. That kid is yeah, going to be beaten senseless every single day. Uh, the couple are already parents of a two-year-old daughter, poet Sienna Rose Goldberg. God damn, are you kidding me? I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, that when your mom's middle name is Moon, I mean, I guess these, these sorts of things are... You would think that she would understand what it's like to grow up with a retarded name, though, and she would not do that to her kids. Uh, Punky Brewster is now 31 years old, and her husband is 36. They both met in 1996 when she pitched him a script while studying film at New York City's New School University. The pair married in 1998. All right. Uh, Last fall, uh, Ms. Brewster opened up a Los Angeles specialty children's boutique called The Little Seed. 
Uh, Goldberg and his producing partner, actor Ashton Kutcher, are behind the series Beauty and the Geek. All right. Kutcher. I barely knew her. Uh, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to attempt. Don't call yet. We are going to attempt to give away. Please do not call. Uh, we're going to attempt to give away a copy of Dan in Real Life on DVD as well as Into the Wild. But it's going to require freeing up some phone lines here. So we're going to do these calls here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about the Plaid Pantry. What's up? Hey, that, that whole Plaid Pantry story on the pregnant homeless woman. Yeah. I had this weird moment of clarity where you kind of step outside and you act as a passive observer. And it, it seemed for a minute like the city's playing a joke on you. On me but, personally? On you personally. But then I realized that I live in East Multnomah County and I see that all the time and I'm just hardened to it normally. I was so. going to say, I felt that way about all of the universe for some time, actually. I felt that I was the butt of some ongoing invisible joke for many, many, many years now. You know, the other funny thing is that the whole the comment about the uh, the homeless people with the kitties. Yeah. I, I think I see the the the, uh, the faulty logic in the homeless uh, animal connection. Hmm. So starting out with the dogs. Dogs are cute. People have a soft spot. Right. Kitties are cuter. So this being spring, are we going to start to see like homeless people with like a box of ducklings or maybe chicks? <laughs> That's a great idea. Bunnies? <laughs> a homeless guy surrounded by surrounded by baby chickens. Oh, bunnies <laughs> for not, sale. Totally petrified. Not a dollar to a dude with a box with a, with full of bunnies. Okay, come on. Now let me just say this: if you were going down the street and a guy had a bunny on a little leash, you would okay. completely give that guy five dollars. So would I. This is where the Freakonomics thing needs to come into. You need to come up with the return on investment of, of baby animals to homeless person. That is a great idea. You could get all the guinea pig, hedgehog, all of the that, great, weird, cute animals. Bowl of goldfish. Bowl of goldfish. That's great, too, because it's like a what about Bob kind of a thing. It could be like a carnival game where okay. you try and flick the nickels in, and that's how they get their money. That is a great idea. It almost needs to be the contest and not the uh, not the sign thing. That's overdone. All Actual right. animals. Actual what animal gets you the most money? Yeah. yeah, the sign thing's almost two morning zoo for you, well, Rick. Well, apparently it's not only two morning zoo. Apparently we did it, <laughs> uh, and then the Jammin' guys did it. Afterwards, then, so then you'd be stuck with these people with like boxes of bunnies and ducklings for a radio bit, and that wouldn't go over so well. No, that's true. All right. On thanks. a side note, I saw someone selling puppies on the sidewalk of 82nd like a couple days ago. Really? Mm -hmm. In a fence, like one of those little gated fence things for. Did they look long. reputable? The people? Come on, it's 82nd on the sidewalk with a Seriously. sharpie hey, written you know, sign. Can I just tell you, there's people in this world that ought to just be uh, dealt with appropriately. Thank you, sir. Do one yeah. more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? A friend of mine was going to school down in Eugene, and they got sick of seeing the people on the corner of the signs. So one weekend they went out, brought the lawn chairs and a cooler with beer, and they sat in the corner drinking beer with one sign that said, um, we don't like bums that won't get a job, and the other one said, give us money so we can buy more beer. Uh -huh. And they actually had a cop came by and gave them money. Excellent. Wonderful. And he said in about four hours they collected like 60 bucks. All right. Thank you, my friend. No problem. All right. Excellent. There you go. All right, uh, Richie, here's what we're going to do. Uh, so we had um, uh, that Salil Moon Fry story just now, Punky yeah. Brewster. So we've talked on the program before about uh, certain bits of pop culture knowledge that are sort of like mandatory, that they sort of give you when you go into radio. Uh, observations that are stock, that you, like if you don't have anything else that's interesting to say, when certain things come up in the news, there are certain observations you make. Uh, for example, we'll, we'll test Kristen on this one. You may or may not uh, pass this test. What is the stock observation that every uh, idiot DJ and or talk show host? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even think about it. Let's back up. You're not on coupler right now. <laughs> For 
first of all, let me... Uh, that was, that's the first time I've ever been bleeped on this show. Uh, you can tell you're not a regular. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry, I didn't... Okay. <laughs> all right, Storm, let's try it again. Uh, your second choice would be... <laughs> let's back up, because the I... Dave Coulier connection. It bleeped, it, it, it bleeped the question, too. How you feeling over there? You're turning like five shades of crimson. But it's good you're relaxed with yeah, the program. Yeah, that's not my style. I'm, uh, no, I'm, it's, good, it's good that she's relaxed enough to contribute. And so I'm glad you feel like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad you feel comfortable enough to use uh, those phrases on the air. Like you're riding a board. Well, no. Like you're riding a board trimet. <laughs> we, we don't mean to embarrass you. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, I know you did. Thanks. Let's back Thanks, up. Rick. So we were talking about stock bits of pop culture knowledge. Uh, that every uh, DJ must use. So my question was, uh, what is the uh, so the song you want to know by Alanis Morissette? What is the stock observation that every idiot radio person must make about that song? The Dave Coulier. That is about Dave Coulier yes, from yes. what? Full House. Yes. Uh, all yes. right. So there you go. So here's what we're going to do, Richie. Uh, it, we are going to take um, call. We'll start with caller five, and we are going to ask this question, and I'm going to write it down here. I'm going to write it down on this piece of paper so that everybody here in the room can see what it is. There is a stock radio uh, guy DJ observation about Punky Brewster, uh, Salil Moon Fry, that everyone must make when she is just uh, Anytime she comes up in a news story, anytime she's talked about, featured, anytime she's on TV, every radio guy must go. You know, the thing about that Salil Moon Fry, Punky Brewster, is, and then this is what it is. I've written it down here. All right. Okay. So, Richie, we're going to take call number five right now at 503-733-2970. If your answer matches the Hack DJ answer, uh, you'll win a copy of Into the Wild on DVD, uh, written and directed by Sean Penn, Academy Award-nominated film, uh, available as of now on DVD and uh, HDVD from Vantage Home Video, as well as Dan in Real Life on DVD and Blu-ray High Def, Starring everybody's favorite funny man, Steve Carell. Rolling Stone calls it blissfully funny and touching, including hilarious scenes and outtakes. Don't miss the feel-great comedy of the year, Dan, in real life uh, from Touchstone Home Entertainment. So, all right, let's do this. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and uh, we will uh, get your calls. More from Tim Riley, Jim Roof coming up later on, Top 5, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Rick, about that pregnant chick in the road. I work right by the Powell-Milwaukee intersection, and I catch the bus into town at rush hour. For three weeks, that girl has been making more money than me in one hour of heavy traffic than I do the entire day. If it's not cash people are handing over, it's bags of food. She is by far the most successful freeloader to work that corner since I started working in this area. Best show ever, Eric. Uh, it puts a whole new meaning to working the corner, too. Really, really, <laughs> really it does. All right. Uh, let's see about homeless. Uh, we, we, we floated this idea, which I think we've now abandoned, of trying to design a sign uh, for some pseudo-homeless guy to use to, to ring money out of the local populace. But then we had this idea of pairing people, I guess a listener had the idea of pairing people up with, uh, with cute animals. This email says, um, 
Baby animals for homeless people equals awesome. Uh, let's see. He said it's a great fundraising idea as well. The combination of cute animals with homeless people is genius. I think the most effective panhandling sign would be, give me $5 or I will eat this duck, rabbit, chicken, goldfish, or whatever in front of your children. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. Kim and I would pay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Give me $5 or I will shoot this duck. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, speaking of animals, have you seen this, uh, have you seen this Britney Spears thing from the Daily Mail? Maybe. Okay, I'll get to it in just a, you'd know it if you saw it. It has the best headline, uh, all week. It's, I'll, I'll show it to you in just a second. It's sort of a follow-up to yesterday's Nicole Kidman thing where they said she looked like a bat. Um, oh, that's our, it's a, you can see that, by the way, at sarahxdillon.com. It is, it's from, I believe that was also from the Daily Mail, but it was just, they continue to outstrip American tabloids in every way. Where they said, Nicole Kidman has the face of a bat. And then to illustrate the point, they really did just put a big picture of Nicole Kidman's face next, next to a picture of a bat. I'm looking at it now. That's pretty great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> they just have no subtlety, which is what makes the British press great. Um, all right. So uh, as we were going into the break here, uh, we were talking about uh, sort of hack observations that radio hosts must make. Uh, and there's you know there's any number of these things where uh, the example I always use is Alanis Morissette. When you talk about you ought to know, everybody must go, that's about that Dave Coulier guy from Full House. Uh, there's all kinds of things like that where there is like the one go-to observation. So we had a story about Salil Moon Fry, alias Punky Brewster. So now let's take uh, caller number five. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, pretty good. All right, sir. So here's the <coughs> pardon me. Here's the thing. Before you you take your guess at the hack observation about Salil Moon Fry, you have your option. Uh, on the line, a copy of Steve, uh, Dan in Real Life, uh, starring Steve Carell, and a copy of Into the Wild, uh, written and directed by Sean Penn. You may either guess at the Salil Moon Fry observation, or you may roll the dice of destiny. What is your choice, sir? Uh, hmm, I'm starting to wonder if my guess about Fry is wrong. Oh, let's go with the dice. All right, you're going to roll the dice of destiny. Now, here's the, uh, the way we will play our game, sir. I'll let uh, I'll let you choose. You may either play odd or even, or you may uh, try to roll a prime number. Which do you choose? Even. Okay, so you are going to try to roll an even on the dice of destiny. All right, here you go, my friend. This is for the DVD double pack. Outstanding. Fantastic. You, sir, are a winner. You have a one. You rolled a two, by the way. You have, in fact, won a copy of Into the Wild on DVD and Dan in Real Life starring Steve Carell. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol will get your information. Hey, can I, can I say something? Do you, want to make your, do you want to make your guess, though, to see if you were right? Uh, yeah. Hey, I, I think it's the fact that she was so skinny and small when she was in Parky Brewster and now, don't I believe she is, like, well-endowed? Well, see, you're partially right. It is not that she is well-endowed now. The observation that everybody is legally required to make about Punky Brewster slash Shaleo Moon Fry is that she was, you know, obviously a little girl on Punky Brewster, but by the time she was 16, she was something like a 38 triple D. She became yeah. Punky Boobster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she did, Tim. 
and so uh, so she had breast reduction surgery, and there was a very famous cover of People magazine, which is actually visible in the movie Clerks in the background on the newsstand, uh, which is taken the week before she had it done uh, because she was just, as they say, unbelievably top heavy. So uh, yes, you would have you would have won either way, sir. Congratulations. Hey, uh, you guys were talking about panhandler signs. Yes. I actually saw one down in Portland that said, "Give me five dollars so I can go get drunk and high." See, I'd like one that just said, either give me $5 today and I will leave you alone the next time you walk by. <laughs> All right, thank you. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, Richie, will you get that guy's information? He is one Into the Wild and Dan in Real Life on DVD. This is Tim Riley. So it's almost time to get back some money from the IRS. And the good news is, now if you find your taxes this year and got your money back direct deposit, you will get your check first. That from IRS spokeslady Jody Reynolds, who says... You could get your payment as early as the 2nd of May. If you've elected direct deposit on your tax return, then you will be in the first cycle of payments that's being sent out starting on May the 2nd. And if you didn't, perhaps later this year. We're going to be sending them out for the remainder of the year. Because not all individuals were able to file their tax return by April 15th. Some individuals will actually get an extension until October 15th. So we will actually be sending out stimulus payments for the remainder of the year. That's somebody uh, That's somebody from the IRS who's here to help me. They're urging you to be aware of people trying to scam you out of your rebate money. Ever since the economic stimulus has been talked about, before it was even signed into law, uh, scammers jumped on the bandwagon, and they just started sending emails and making phone calls to people. The government doesn't like anybody muscling in on their territory no. in that regard. So less than 24 hours after swearing in, as New York's new governor, D David Patterson, has admitted to having... Well, not one, not two, but, well, several affairs with his wife, Michelle, by his side. I haven't seen the picture of this yet. The new Governor Patterson says he and his wife, uh, notice that she's involved here in some matter, wanted to clear the air for the public. We decided to come forward. We, we decided to tell the truth. Did we? Yes. The we reason did. that we would tell the we truth because is we're so <laughs> that the citizens of this state would know that when confronted with these questions, that... We would be honest. We. We. Of course. What, it's all her fault. <laughs> I haven't broken any laws. I don't think I violated my oath of office. I saw this as a private matter. But both of us committed acts of infidelity. So They and both did. Has she been interviewed as well? Uh, let's see. Because I know that she came as she's like, no, 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 I humped a bunch of other people as well. So I guess it's a, maybe I guess it's a wash. It could be. Well, uh, he and his wife both sought uh, marriage counseling. He uh, wanted to clear up any speculation regarding his marriage. Some of this information apparently was out there. I didn't want to be compromised. I didn't want to be blackmailed. I didn't want to hesitate taking an action because the person on the other end might uh, hurt me or my family. And uh, so I just thought this was the time uh, to come forward and reveal this. Good for him. But you know what? He doesn't have expensive tastes. He used to meet a woman at the Days Inn in the Upper West Side. <laughs> Good for him. Well, no, but see, I'd like that in a governor. And it was never never campaign funding that paid for the hotel visits. I mean, it's fairly cheap anyway. Some of this information Oops. I mean, that really? might have been another way to handle it in order to say, no, I'm not going to talk about this. But I just thought it would it, that the uh, rumors just abound. There are a lot of... Rumors, in spite of what I've said here today about me, that are not true. And uh, I was kind of getting tired of it. What is true is uh, he, and his, he and his actual wife had sex at least twice because they have two children. 
So the the great thing about him, though, see, I'm compl- see if they would all just handle it that way, mm-hmm. if he would just like, yes, it is true, I have uh, I have bonked a variety of women over the last few years. What's it to you? Uh, I mean, there you go. And the fact, and the, let me just say this: mm-hmm. if I had uh, my choice of a governor who was blowing eighty grand on hookers. Or a governor who, A, was not having to pay for sex, and even when he did meet women, was doing it at a day's in. Mm-hmm. I go with that second guy every single time. That's a guy who has some fin- financial and fiscal responsibility and restraint. Yeah. Good for him. He's forthcoming and he's cheap. Those are the things I like in a politician. Fantastic. So, so we don't have any idea about the ladies and how much they cost. You know what? And it doesn't matter. And I, I, I think they were reasonably priced. I'm just saying, you know what? That guy, he gets a free pass for me uh, from now on. I don't care. He can hump away for that matter. I, it doesn't matter. And he's I, blind. So, I mean, you got to, you know. I mean, you got you to gotta sort of. Uh, wait, what have I? Have I picked up a phone? Oh, hi. I heard like a weird noise there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Okay. This was, I think, one of the best panhandlers find ever. He said, "At work, bank robber, gun and hawk. Please help." That's moderately amusing. Where did you see that? <laughs> it was over off Cooch in uh, 405, probably five years ago. Do you ever wonder if the homeless have meetings or something where they sort of brainstorm uh, these uh, signs? And my other thing is, how does the one guy who comes up with the whatever, like family killed by ninjas, need money for karate lessons? How does that <laughs> sign make it from Portland to like Portland, Maine? It, it is sort of an interesting viral phenomenon, the idea that you can go to different parts of the country and see the same sign in different places. You know, a lot of these people are pretty nomadic, and they travel around. Is that true? Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's talk about Barack Obama. Apparently, he made the speech of his life uh, today or somewhere. In Philadelphia, as a matter of fact, the city of brotherly love, uh, he says we have different stories, but we also have some common hopes. We may not look the same and may not have come from the same place, but we all want to move in the same direction towards a better future for our children and our grandchildren. Uh, there has to be unity. We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together, unless we perfect our union by understanding that we may have different stories, but we hold common hopes. I have to say, the thing about Barack Obama is... Well, that's not what it was cracked up to be this morning. No, it's... Well, I heard a little bit of it this morning on Dennis Miller where he was... He was kind of doing the, uh, I think they call it floating opposites uh, in his speech, where he was saying, there is also, the, uh, I don't want to paraphrasing, but he was, you know, there is the hope and there is the bitterness. There is the happiness. There is the sorrow. The sorrow. There is the joy. There is the anger, where he was kind of doing the back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that actually sounded more interesting than what he was giving there. Here's the thing. The, the, the greatness of this speech is going to be solely determined retrospectively by whether or not he wins uh, the nomination and then wins the presidency. Mm. If he wins the nomination... And if he wins the nomination, uh, he'll kick the snot out of John McCain. But do you think that the Clintons would allow that? Uh, For him to win the nomination? Uh Well, I don't know. You know, Chris Neathan uh, from On the Vig and I kind of go back and forth about this because he is... He has, he has uh, what do you call it, uh, convictions and so forth. And so he has all the, he's like firmly, like personally invested mm-hmm. in the Obama campaign. And I, I think this is, I mean, I'm not speaking out of school here. I think he's been open. I think he gives, I think he's donated money. To, can, I, can I ask you a question? I am completely confused by how much one can donate to a political campaign or organization. I don't even, uh, somebody told me it was like $1,000 now. Yeah, or, something like that. But I read Maybe 2500 or something. I'm but like. is that only to a specific candidate? I believe so. Like, is there a limit on what you can donate to, yeah. like, the DNC? 
Because I was reading something the other day about how a bunch of people are so pissed that the DNC is not going to allow a Florida revote mm-hmm. that some guy's like, I am withholding my $63,000 donation to the DNC. Oh. So I don't really know how that works, but I, I think he's given money to Obama and, you know, the whatever. So he's, you know, he's he's one of those guys that either right or wrong thinks that Obama's whatever. Gonna, what, what did that guy say when he called, that Obama supporter said when he called the show? And it, I, for a minute I thought he was... I thought he was doing a bit, like I thought he was sort of goofing on us, where he goes, Rick, America's ready for hope, or no, America's ready for change, and Obama is an agent of change. And I thought he was sort of like joking, like he was being like a parody of an Obama supporter. Um, but Sneedon's, you know, like an Obama guy, and he and I kind of go back and forth about this. And I said that at the moment, if I had to call her right now, I would say that it is, I would say it's kind of Obama by a nose, because he, he does seem to have the momentum, and there does seem to be a sort of, a feeling of maybe not inevitability, but there does seem to be a perception that it is his to lose, and that really does help you in a lot of ways. That being said, the Clintons are evil and ruthless, and they'll. they'll and what uh, happens in that smoky back room? Well, yeah, and the, the Clintons have been accumulating favors and chits, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, for about 35 years now. Uh, and, you know, it. Uh, when when all is said and done, uh, because somebody has to be the Joe Kennedy in the back room here. There, yeah, as I was going to say. And, and who is Obama's Joe Kennedy? There, I think really Obama's uh, his sort of wide-eyed optimism and the fact that he is on the and see now even I'm buying into his hype a little bit because I'm I'm sort of assuming that he is kind of this idealist and this optimist and this sort of, uh, you know, very sort of uh, an, un, an unspoiled politician, as they say. Maybe that's not true, but if he is... And for all the reasons that Jimmy Carter was elected back in 76, yeah, that and, turned out to be major flop. And that's the thing about Carter. You know, Carter only got in because of Watergate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carter is a guy who never, ever would have been elected. The guy couldn't have gotten elected. He to... walked down Pennsylvania Avenue without an escort. I mean, his Carter's, Carter's big uh, attribute is that he was not Richard Nixon or a mm-hmm. Republican. Uh, and then he wore sweaters. Don't so, you ever feel like this country kind of runs in cycles politically? Like, we go through cycles of people thinking Republicans are the change that this country needs, right. and then we go back to Democrats. Because uh, Americans, it, it, it really is just like a, a grass is always greener kind mm-hmm. of a thing, you know? It's like, who makes you feel the best? And, yeah. Basically. And, and plus, it, let's be honest, it feels good to fire uh, the guy who's in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just the, that is the American Especially way. Even though we hired him. Getting, I, mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it feels really good to kick the guy, you know, to kick the guy out. So that throw the bums out sentiment does tap into something very primal. But if, if one believes that Obama is what he positions himself to be, which is, again, he's, you know, sort of very, um, you know, he is very idealistic and really has a good heart and really only wants the best and, you know, is uh, a different kind of politician as opposed to the backroom sort of double-dealing kind we typically have, then that's going to be his undoing because the Clintons are evil and they'll just crush him. I mean, they're, somebody... I mean, their their machine will, will yeah. steamroll right over Oh, him. honesty and convictions are really no match. Charisma uh, can uh, only take you so far. Uh, you know, so, yes, superior vengeance and guile skills will triumph every time. And the Clintons have that uh, just in spades. So, I mean, there's, you know, it. If if he does not figure out how to sort of become uh, a little bit more brutal or have or have his handlers or his people do it, I don't know, man. I do get the distinct feeling that there's going to be a, that somebody's going to try to disassemble that guy over the next over the next couple of months. But then again, if if all that Hillary has are the people behind the scenes that have lost everything for the Democrats playing the same old game. 
that perhaps he does have a chance. I don't know. I mean, I just sort of root for chaos, and I think Hillary's the person to bring that chaos, so that's where my that's where my allegiances kind of lie at this moment. I mean, not that an Obama presidency wouldn't irritate a lot I'm of people. I'm surprised she's been this nice. I, I mean, really, it's it's been pretty mellow on her side. I don't know. I it, it, it seems like we are on the brink of something really dramatic happening as we head into Pennsylvania, which I think is April 22nd. I mean, I think probably the three weeks that lead up to the April primary are probably going to be the most brutal and the bloodiest three political weeks uh, that we've seen in maybe a decade in this country. Well, I think, and if Obama takes Pennsylvania, I'll be surprised. Uh, I, I don't think he will because I think demographically it's so similar mm-hmm. to Ohio, and she creamed him in Ohio. And Clinton has a lot of friends and in the, Pennsylvania. The governor of Pennsylvania yes. loves yes. Hillary Clinton. Yes. So I just my whole goal, really, this is my thing. And I should say, for the record, in case of the, you know people who we get people who are new listeners or people who just started the you know sort of tuning into the program, that I, speaking for myself, I have no political allegiance of any kind. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I, as Jello Biafra once said, you know, if voting changed anything, it would be illegal to do so. So I, I really just vote for whatever's going to be the most entertaining uh, ticket. And to me, that's going to be like Hillary and anybody versus John McCain and anybody this fall. Um, what was my point? Oh, my whole goal, though, uh, my only hope right now is that it just goes to the convention so that there could be some really brutal 1968 uh, daily-style convention floor fight. The the whole world is watching. Exactly. Somebody just pushed Mike Wallace down. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, man. Wouldn't you just love to see them brawl? Oh, yeah. Oh, more than anything. Uh, Who is it that... God, who was it at the 68 convention that stood up and they were talking about how the you know the cops were clubbing clubbing the cops were beating Jerry Rubin in the street out front or whatever, and there was like somebody from some delegation uh, that stood up to complain about it. And I don't know if it was Daly. Uh, there was somebody there. Daly was sitting in there. It was it was somebody who stood up. It was it was like one of the delegates from like Rhode Island or somebody stood up at the '68 convention and they said, "I think you ought to know that there's police violence uh, happening out front right now and it's unacceptable." And like whoever it was, it was running the campaign ran up to the microphone, Rhode Island is not recognized for that purpose! And I mean, it just went nuts. It was great. It was just like everything was on the brink of a complete and total chaotic implosion. And I'm just so sad I missed it. So that's my whole thing, is that I just, uh, I missed all of the cultural strife of the 60s. So really, this year is my best chance to get that back. Uh, all right. Uh, what are we doing here? This is... Uh... Yeah, whatever you want. Uh, let's see. Well, we got a lot of calls about homeless signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna move off that, yeah. Richie. Here's Tim Riley. She'll be there tomorrow. Ministry anyway. of Truth. Well, it's uh, still the anniversary of the uh, war in Iraq. It's five years, and those in the know, like an Iraqi American, I am an Iraqi American. Mike Mayday uh, has been an interpreter and advisor for U.S. forces in Iraq. He says Iran is now in control of that country. We did a great favor to Iran and delivered everything, that country, to a bunch of warlords who are running Iraq right now. So we did something right. In uh, California comes word that a high school student will be honored for stopping an out-of-control school bus and saving the lives of 40 students on board. But the problem is, 15-year-old Amanda Rouse will have to serve detention since she was ditching school at the time. It wouldn't be fair to all the other students if they played hooky or something like that. and I didn't get that at school, and they did, you know. So she had taken the school bus that day, but after uh, falling ill on the way, she asked the bus driver if she could get a ride back to the bus yard. On the way there, the driver fell off her seat and down the bus's stairway while making a turn. She immediately rushed up and pulled the emergency brake and stopped the bus. 
School officials decided to punish her because she failed to alert a guardian and school know of her whereabouts. Uh, by the way, so there's this great Britney Spears story in the uh, the Daily Mail. And this is, this is another reason why I love the British tabloids, because it's, it is accompanied by two... A picture of a bat. Really? Well... It is accompanied by two really great close-up photographs. Headline, Britney Spears reveals her unsightly elephant legs. <laughs> it's gold. And then, and then they have, really, what must be called the two most unflattering photographs of Britney Spears' legs ever taken. You have to come, come check these out. All right. they're, they're really, they're great. So I want to see. Let's all take a look, uh, and then I will send this link to you, Tim, if you want to see it. She so, if you want to post it. Britney Spears reveals her unsightly elephant legs. Oh, oh no! Yeah, there you go. Oh. Sexy. All right. Um, oh my God. Now this, this, by by the way. <laughs> it really is like it's like she's a quadruped of some kind. Um, bulky Britney Spears, says the first caption, revealed her chunky cellulite-ridden legs during an outing in L.A. yesterday. Caption on the second photograph, the singer reportedly visited a liposuction specialist in an effort to banish her cellulite, clearly to little effect. I so, guess so. God, that's uh, wonderful. Oh, Britney Spears reveals her unsightly elephant legs. So, uh, British tabloids come through once again for us. God bless them. All right. I Have you to... seen the pictures of Amy Winehouse with her impetigo? Uh, now I thought now, I thought that that was revealed to be a cigarette burn because she was putting cigarettes out on her face. Well, TMZ is still claiming it's impetigo. Really? Yeah. I thought the story was that she was in a restaurant okay, let me and the guy came over and said you can't smoke here, and she was so high she put a cigarette out on her cheek. Uh, it quite possible. It's not like out of the question. It could be both with her. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hello. It's Andy. Uh, oh, Andy, uh, the homeschool kid. Andy! Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Rick. So you who are terrified of, tar- of Twilight Sun? Was that what I heard? Uh, well, there was not tw- terrified as such, but there were certain episodes uh, as a child that did have a, a pretty traumatizing effect on me, one of them being that Burgess Meredith episode, Time Enough at Last, yes. All right. Well, I'm, if you're ever in L.A. or Orlando, go to Disneyland or Disney World just for the sake of riding the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Now, see, the last time I was at Disneyland, the Tower of Terror was closed for maintenance, sadly, so I wasn't able to go, so I had to go oh, on the... Oh, it's awesome. I wasn't able to go. I had to go on the Indiana Jones adventure. I was Indiana one of the Jones first, like, 500 said. people who went on the one in Florida. Was it badass? Was oh, it it's so it rad. Is, it's incredible. It's one of those things where you like the ride because of the ride, but... Some people just ride it because of the effects. I took my six-year-old grandma on that ride. Really? So great. Now is it like straight down thirteen stories? Is it like a roller coaster or something? No, no, it's a drop ride. You pretty much just go through this little story. They set up the story, Uh and then all of a sudden, at least in Florida, uh, the doors open. You see all of MGM for like a split second, and then you fall straight down thirteen stories. Oh, there's a thing like that at Magic Mountain called Mm -hmm. Freefall. It's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Uh, which my uncle, I so I don't know how I don't know how high the free fall ride is, but it's the same thing where you're strapped into a cage. They go, and you go straight up, and then it goes out about ten feet, and then it just drops. And my uncle, I took, I went on that one about ten. My uncle lied to me, and said, no, 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 it's just a sightseeing ride, so you can see the park. And so I get on the ride, I go up there, and then as we're getting to the top, he says. 
let's hope the cable doesn't snap. And then it was like four seconds later that we fall. Uh, and uh, really, that's one of those rides where that heart condition sign is is they, that is well advised. On, on this ride, they actually set up the story and they use holograms uh-huh. and everything, and it's really oh. awesome. And it's the story that sells it because if it was just a free fall, it wouldn't be that interesting. But excellent. All right. It's yes? Also, the, I don't. I've been on both. And I don't remember too much about the Orlando one, but uh-huh. they actually have it apparently they use cutting edge special effects in the Disneyland one, which of course could mean anything from it's the best we could m- scrape together or <laughs> you know well, the one I went on was built in ninety four so I don't know how cutting edge that would be at this point. you know what was pretty great is the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland that was actually oh, that, it was that's incredible. Incredible. I lost my pager on that ride when really? I was 15. I went yeah. there last week, and it was while it was good, I got kind of nervous because it was literally breaking down every 30 minutes. <laughs> well, that just adds to the thrill, Andy. Uh, how goes the homeschooling? Let me ask you this. When you finish homeschooling, is there some sort of a, like you don't go to a graduation ceremony, is there some sort of a ritual at the end of it? I actually don't know because I don't know anybody who's graduated from homeschooling yet. What is it? They all just... Uh... What, what do you mean they, they have? I think we just get done and apply for colleges. So you just go. So there's no fun at all. You just go directly from one kind of uh, one kind of drudgery to another. Yeah, but we'll be. It's not that I'm trying to sound elitist or anything, but we'll be better oh. equipped for the colleges than the other people. What does one do for enjoyment when one is a homeschooler? What are your social activities, Andy? Um, well, first off, I want to say don't think that we have no social activities because the ones we do have are certainly better than being pregnant, being addicted to drugs, <laughs> or being beat up at school. Who can disagree with that? But pretty much the same thing that everybody else does when they're not at school, just we have more time to do it in. So if I were to, uh, if I were to come by your home at... Uh... I don't know. If I were to follow you, you know, like 6 p.m. on a typical weeknight, what would Andy be doing for, for his social activities? Uh, it would depend on the weeknight. I, there's a swimming thing that I go to every Thursday, and the rest of it is just changes week from week. I might be staying home. I might be watching a movie with some friends. It depends. Will you be warring as a fifth-level paladin? I really am not into online games as much. Well, that's right. too bad. I was Partially because my computer, it, my computer up until recently uh-huh. was, the entire household's computer was a 1999 laptop. Really? Yes. That seems odd. The, our old, our computer before that broke and we couldn't get a new one for a while. All right then. What is your favorite Monty Python film? Holy Grail. Okay. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk oh, to you soon, Andy. Last yes? thing, Rick. Yes. You, just because I'm a completely lifeless nerd. Uh-huh. I, I knew from the moment you said that fat demon in Buffy, which one you were trying to remember the name of. I can't remember the name of the demon, but I... Uh, His uh, name is Balthazar. Balthazar, exactly, and they electrocute him at the end. Yes. And it is, I think it's second season because it might... I can't remember if it's when Angel has become Angelus, but it's... Uh, it, it's after Angel... Or no, it's before he's become Angelus. I have the Watcher's Guide Volume 2. Of course you do. All right, thank you, Andy. You're welcome. All right, there you go. That's Andy. You should be the guest speaker at Andy's <laughs> homeschool graduation. That's a great idea. You down right it is. Fantastic. Get booked now. If only he knew any. Well, it's some dates not available. It was sort of, sort of some blackout dates. It was sort of weird when he said he didn't know any uh, homeschool kids that had graduated. I mean, I wonder. Well, if there was a homeschool speaker, maybe they'd have a celebration. Well, I mean, I mean, you wonder if they sort of exist. Uh, 
you know, if they sort of exist separate from one another. In other words, if, if there isn't sort of like a coalesced organization of homeschool Well, kids. I can see the parents seeking out kids who are exactly their kid's age, though, yeah. too. Is... I mean, there can't be that many of them. Hey, did you see that thing in California, by the way, where the, 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 um, the I think it was the California Supreme Court ruled that homeschooling was illegal? So, like 150,000 wow. kids that have been homeschooled or suddenly the parents have been told they can't legally do it wow. anymore that, that, uh, because most of them aren't, aren't accredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're going to have to go back to the godless public schools. So, Uh-oh. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, Mariah Carey admits, people think I'm a ditzy moron. I understand, says she. Uh, Mariah was treated for exhaustion in 2001 after public meltdown. She still struggles with her confidence. I always had really low self-esteem, and I still do. What's weird about it, and being on stage, and the love that I get, and the adoration that you feel from your fans, it's, well, it's hard to compete with such a thing. She's feeling much better now. She says she'd like to marry again, preferably to someone who knows where she's coming from. Hmm, and she's not even Asian. Uh, that's a big deal for me, feeling like somebody else can fully understand me because they're not in show business. It shouldn't matter, and it does, because nothing she says makes any sense in reading here. And this is who, Mariah Carey? Yeah, she wants everyone to know that pe- she knows that people think she's a ditzy moron. I thought that we had stopped caring about Mariah, Mariah Carey in any event. I didn't, I, I didn't well, think an she was, story. I didn't think she was a person that in whom we had any interest anymore. So, well, mm. I'll throw that away. <laughs> let's, let's shred that, never to be read again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Rick, it's a sir. Thanks for taking my call. Hello, hi. Hey, I've got a quick whirlwind tour to Las Vegas coming up the week after next. I have an open night. I want to stay at the El Cortez. Is there a website? <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and, and what other El Cortez-type things in Las Vegas are there to do that you would suggest? Well, now, let's, first of are all... Are you getting a kickback from the El Cortez I really, for, for accepting these bookings? I ought to. I'll be like one of those dirty old radio guests where at the end they're pimping some... They have a some, website. They're, at the end they're pimping some sort of Vegas time show. Maybe in the Starlight Room. They, uh, I'll, tell them, I'll tell them that Rick Emerson had me call. Well, they wanted, it's like they wanted us to interview Stuttering John a few weeks ago, you know, formerly of the Stern Show and whatever, and uh-huh. I ended up not doing it just because I'm not going to pretend that it... Obviously, you know, Howard Stern's a great broadcaster, but I wasn't a Stern listener. I didn't listen to Howard. Um, and I don't watch the Leno show, which is where, you know, stuttering John Melendez is doing his thing now. So I just kind of passed on it because I felt like I would sort of be posing by having stuttering John on. But uh, but apparently that's he was doing this whole series of interviews, and it was one of those things where you would interview Stuttering John, but the deal was, at the end, he would say, and by the way, uh, call this phone number and get the Stuttering John Las Vegas package, and he would get some kickback. Uh, I'm sorry, not a kickback. He would get a commission uh, from whatever hotel it was. Uh, by the way, sort of, hasn't he sort of morphed from Stuttering John into uh, John Melendez, the voice of The Tonight Show? Well, and the weird thing is somebody told me he doesn't stutter on The Tonight Show, so my question is, did he fix the stutter? Was it cured somehow? Did he overcome it? Was it a gag and he never really did it? You know, was it never really a real condition? I mean, I just don't really know, and I guess I don't really care all that much. But uh, anyway, the website is El Cortez. I'm looking this up on, on the web, by the way. Okay. El, El Cortez, and that's with a Z, El Cortez Hotel Casino. Com. And within the Great. first five seconds of going to the site, it tells you that they're giving you the personal touch and servicing. Of course. <laughs> and first of all, I should say a couple things. First of all, I am not a travel agent nor a Vegas expert, um, but the El Cortez, somebody told me that they'd sort of remodeled it a little bit, but then I think it was uh, Jim Rupp who said that he had seen it recently, and it was still terrible, which is what I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because when I went there, it was just a hole. I mean, just it was the worst place. It is the oldest, uh, the oldest currently operating casino in Las Vegas. It's been operating since 1946. 
It was once owned by Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky. Uh, is it downtown? Mobsters. It is in Old Vegas. It is, uh, it is, it's funny. If you go to Old Vegas, you know where Fremont Street is. There's like Binion's, uh, Fitzgerald's, Four Queens, the Westward Ho, which I think is now gone, uh, and all of those Old Vegas hotels. And then as you leave the Old Vegas Strip, you start to get into a really, really seedy part of Las Vegas where it's nothing but pawn shops and liquor stores. And cool. that's where the El Cortez is. The El Cortez, okay. literally, if memory serves, the El Cortez is literally between two pawn shops, which is fantastic. <laughs> that's pretty great, though. So, yeah, yeah, um, it is. speaking of, of other, just real quickly, speaking of other yep. sort of uh, grubby yep. things to do in Vegas, uh, I would strongly recommend that you skip Elvis-O-Rama. It's disappointing, the Elvis-O-Rama oh, yeah. Museum. However, the Liberace Museum is fantastic. Gotcha. World's largest rhinestone you can see there. Also, oh, I love it. His sequined and rhinestoned uh, bicentennial hot pants from 1976. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now, one quick thing for you when you're down there. I don't know if you're aware of this show, but it's a show. It's a very inexpensive show. I think it's like even 35 bucks, but it's well worth it for anybody who is um, a music aficionado from any time window there's a show called the rat pack is back i saw and a documentary on that now is it like uh, like a tribute thing well what it is is a, it's a reenactment it's a very cool reenactment of frank sinatra's 49th birthday show and i believe the sands and you know these guys these guys who who play the rat pack uh sammy and dino and frank and joey bishop they don't try to be the guys i mean they don't you know imitate them right. on stage but the show is a total reenactment with a bar that they roll out. It's it's a really good show. See, now, maybe that was different because the one that I saw in the documentary actually they had the even the mannerisms down to a really? perfection. Yeah. See, I kind of and see, I'm sort of with this guy in that I was talking to somebody about this the other day actually about tribute bands and how at this point I think it's cooler when you go to see a tribute band and they almost don't try to do the uh, the visual aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I tell you, the, the best Zeppelin tribute band I ever saw, well, first of all, I saw that band No Quarter when they came to town, which yeah. was horrifying, because the, the the plant guy has this horrible blonde wig on. The, yeah. the, the Jimmy Page guy comes out. He's wearing a kimono and no shirt, which is all fine until he turns and gives you the profile, and he's got the huge gut. And so it's like <laughs> it's like a low-rent Jimmy Page with a big beer gut, and he's sweating and shirtless. And But then when I was in New York last time, I saw this uh, Zeppelin act called Black Dog, and they just came out in street clothes. The lead singer looked like Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. They came out in street clothes. They didn't dress up. They didn't yeah. have any props. They just played, but they sounded exactly like Zeppelin. It was fantastic. Yeah, now what about the Van Halen tribute band from Hillsborough called Drop Dead Legs? I don't know anything. I, at this point, have sort of, I have faded away from the Van Halen world, but. Uh, oh. All right, Rat Pack is back. I've written it down. Thank Rat you, sir. Rat Pack is back. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All oh, right. I know somebody went to see Danny Gans. Really? Yes. What did they say? It's outstanding, and he does impersonations. See, the thing about Danny Gans is. I almost don't want to go see him because he is such an enigma to me. He's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. He is one of those guys who intrigues me because he is only famous in Vegas. In Vegas, he is a star. Uh, he's like, what's his name? Andrew Carver in Showgirls. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of Vegas, no one has ever heard of Danny Gantz. Uh, you go to the average person on the street, Danny Gantz. No idea who you're talking about. But then as soon as you go to Vegas, every third billboard you see is the gigantic uh, head of Danny Gantz with his blindingly white teeth. So... I'm going to have to see him at some point just to sort of satisfy Yeah, he does impersonations, my... and I hear he's incredible. Really? Yeah. All right. Uh, apparently, air supply is going to be there, too, so I've uh, oh, I've cool. also got that as an option. One thing I have to do is make it to Vegas. I haven't been yet. What? Really? Yeah. 
Oh, uh, see, Aaron's never uh, never been there either, so it's uh, I'm looking forward to because he's going with us. Uh, he's going with us McGreevy style. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, no. I don't even think about it. Open a roll of hard eight. All right, here's Tim <laughs> Riley. More from the world of show business. Permita Dog Chow is launching the new promotion, Picture Your Dog in Times Square. Their spokesman is Dancing with the Stars alumnus Drew Lachey. He shares with us uh, how this works. We take all your pictures that you submit online at pictureyourdogintimesquare.com, and we put them on the Reuters NASDAQ digital billboards in Times Square. So this is a way for, for all these other dog lovers across the country to show off their dog and make their dog a rock star. Wait, who is this? Drew Lachey. And that's who? Nick Lachey's brother. Really? <laughs> that was sad. Well, I guess every, everybody's going to do something to make a living. <laughs> Everybody has their own He's Charlie Murphy. He's been in a couple horrible movies. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, by the way, so when I was watching, when I was watching Norbit on Sunday. Norbit. Speaking of horrible movies. <laughs> oh, dude, you, there's no way to describe it. And please, I feel like I have to give this warning before everybody else goes to CD Game Exchange to buy the remaining like many copies. i got to say, like, to be completely honest, vegetarian has helped me so much. I mean... What is it? I started something by mistake. <laughs> No, I'm just going to say this about Norbit. Uh, please, please, please believe me when I tell you it's not bad enough to be funny. I mean, it is it is the final stage of bad before it starts to become good again. And this surprises you? Well, because it got like a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I thought maybe it's like inversely funny. Like it's sort of funny in, a, in like a Dolly-esque kind of way. Like it's sort of a surrealist, yeah. you know. Like, I, Freddie Got Fingered is a, is a movie. You went looking for funny, and you walked away with a whole lot of nothing. It's, it's just, it's, it, it, it's like, it's like a, it's like a master's level thesis in how to make a bad film. Um, anyway, but so as I put, here, and here's how you knew Norbit was going to be bad, by the way, as you're watching the opening credits, written by Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy. So, there you go. Guy brought his brother along to co-write the film. Yeah, it's just, it's repellent in every conceivable way. By the way, somebody just sent me, uh, Rick, I was just at the El Cortez website, and I enjoyed the classy-sounding description of their vintage queen room. The vintage rooms have stairway access only and smoking <laughs> only rooms. <laughs> Located above the casino floor, these rooms have, oh, that's got to be a I'm fun. sorry, we only allow smokers. And that's got to be that's got to be a good night's sleep. You go in emphysema. And, lo and located directly above the casino floor. Well, send the the uh, pregnant uh, panhandler over there. Jesus, all I right. Enjoy that. Here's Tim <laughs> Riley. Uh, Microsoft has uh, posted a major package of updates and security fixes for Windows Vista. I'm sure that'll solve everything. The downloads begin today. Uh, those who uh, run PCs, run the newest of Microsoft operating system, they can visit Microsoft's Windows Update and Download Center and download the free Service Pack 1. Many of the fixes have already been released as part of the regular monthly updates and, uh, well, since the operation system began being on sale. Microsoft has said SP1 improves Vista's reliability, security, and performance. Some early testers of the Service Package have noticed improvement in performance when copying files over network or playing video games. So far, the software maker has determined that only a handful of programs will fail. <laughs> uh -huh. this is, these things are all lies. Nobody who has installed Microsoft Vista has noticed an improvement in anything. Anything at all. Uh, so, and let me, here's another thing. Attention, Microsoft, if you're listening, and I know that we have uh, some listeners who are, in fact, employees. 
Here's another thing I could do without. I could do without the stupid thing that comes up on the screen that says, there have been changes made to your computer. You must restart your computer for these changes to take effect. Would you like to restart your computer now or later? And then when Only you... when you're working on something really important. Oh, exactly. That has to be done right now. Only when I'm knee-deep in a document that I have to finish. And when I hit the, no, 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 I'd like to restart my computer later, to Microsoft later means 45 seconds later because the window goes away and then it pops up. Like, not in the corner, right in the middle of your workspace. And then if you cancel that every 10 minutes or so, yeah. they come back up and start counting down just again. And it's like, no. Continues to nag you. So, you know, why don't you just let me restart the computer when I feel like doing it? That's right up there with Microsoft giving you, uh, I'll get this sometimes with a Microsoft machine. I will get the window that comes up and it says, uh, you know, you must restart your computer. You, you know, you must do something for this change to take effect. Yes or no. And then, like, the goddamn no button is grayed out, so you can't even choose it. It's like, why are you even pretending to give me a choice if I can't press the no button? The, the whole fact that they can go in and make changes to your computer without notifying you is disconcerting. Okay, you know what else is disconcerting? And I told this story a few weeks ago, but I had, you'll never guess, I had this huge problem with my Microsoft machine at home. And so I called Microsoft's alleged tech support, which was the single worst phone experience of my life, by the way. 75 minutes of pure unmitigated hell bringing me closer to the grave and no closer to resolution of the problem. Talking to someone for whom English was like a 12th language, uh, it, it was all I could do. And then you feel like an ugly American because you can't understand what they're saying. And so I'm sitting there just, like, gritting my teeth, clenching my fist, shutting my eyes very tight, trying desperately to understand what the person on the end of the phone is telling me. And then they do this thing of, okay, now I'm going to try this other solution, sir. I'm going to take remote control of your computer. And then, like, without warning, like, your mouse starts moving around because some guy in Bangladesh uh, has decided that that's the only way he can fix the problem. Also, just my final observation about this. Our engineers can do that here, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, you know, this it's, is... It's really weird to sit here and all of a sudden the computer starts flashing and the mouse is moving on its own and you're like... Okay. I guess it's less weird to me here because they're sort of in the building with you. It's just strange that a guy in another country was sitting mm -hmm. there moving my mouse around. But the issue I was having is that I was some driver issue with my CD, my CD drive. It, it couldn't find the driver. So at one point, the person at Microsoft who was attempting to fix my computer, can't figure out the driver. So using my machine remotely, you know what they do? They open up my browser and they go to Google. Microsoft, <laughs> who has their own search engine. They have search.msn.com. There is a Microsoft search engine. And yet the Microsoft tech person goes to Google to look. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about that company right now. So, oh, and then they couldn't fix the problem. And then I had a listener uh, walk me through it in like five minutes for free. All right. I'm sorry. He's doing a little thing there. Here's Tim Riley. A brain surgeon has used a $30 drill to carry out a successful operation on a fully conscious patient. Henry Marsh used a Bosch cordless drill because he didn't have the normal equipment with him. He was on a trip to Ukraine to help people let down an adequate health system. <laughs> Halfway through the operation to remove a tumor from Marion Dohishi's head, the power ran out. Well, luckily, he was able to complete the operation and save a life. Thanks to the battery-operated Bosch do-it-yourself drill. Uh, the operation is featured on the film on BBC Two tonight called The English Surgeon. <laughs> uh, the patient was not only uh, not given a local anesthetic because he couldn't find an anesthesiologist around. So he attached the metal drill bits to the Bosch and admitted the operation was not comfortable for the patients, but says Ukrainians can bear it because they were tough people. <laughs> because their life is pain anyway. It's like everybody in my generation thinks they can do, uh, like, a tracheotomy with a ballpoint pen because they saw that episode of MASH. 
Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Best show ever. Thank you. Hey, I've got some uh, useless information about stuttering John. Okay. When he uh, he has like a speech therapist and who basically teaches him how not to stutter. And so he does have a stutter. So he's got it down where it's almost, if he's stressed in that kind of environment, he'll stutter like there's no tomorrow. Okay, so but he has over time sort of gradually gotten rid of it, because I can't imagine that that would last long as like the Leno announcer. Right, and and that's what, he he sees the speech therapist like, like once or twice a week or whatever, and it helps him like through breathing and whatever, whatever else they do, voodoo and yoga, whatever it is, helps him lose the stutter so he can talk like you or I. All right, thank you, sir. No problem. All right, there you go. So speaking of engineers taking over my computer, they just uh-huh. did open up a notepad and said, I heard that and tell Rick that only Windows 98 had that problem. He should get an operating <laughs> system not made in the 80s. Thank you. <laughs> or get a Mac. Appreciate that. Uh, stuttering is sort of weird. Stuttering is, I mean, and I don't stutter. I do stammer. I have a sort of Bob Newhart stammer. Which, and I always wonder if it is sort of uh, like neurolinguistically related. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's what we've got, Tim. We've got uh, Iron Maiden. We've got Microsoft or uh, another stuttering John call. Tim? Oh, jeez. The second one. Microsoft? Yes. Hi, uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes. Is this the party to which I am speaking? Yes, it is. Voice number two. Hello. Hello. Hey, um, I uh, currently am using the iTunes on my PC. Uh-huh. Because a while back, a friend of mine was using the WinMX before they shut it off. Yes. And had... Um, Tons of MP3s on the Windows Media Player, and when the uh, IT person came around and said, "Oh, we're upgrading to whatever Windows 98 SE or whatever," the first time the Media Player came up, a message came across the screen and said, "You have unlicensed uh, music on your computer." It's really helpful of Microsoft to erased uh... them. Yeah. Erased gone. It's 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 nice of Microsoft to help you out by pointing out things you have that they deem to be unlicensed and then just eliminating and, them. Yeah. And so as a result, I really appreciate that Microsoft did that because it helps me get onto uh, the iTunes where they leave you alone. <laughs> you know, the uh, it uh, the idea that the computer knows better than you and is going to make decisions for you is really one of the lamentable uh, evolutions of modern computing. I don't, I don't appreciate it. No, and no, I don't want to. Do you ever do this? Do you ever be t- you're typing like a Microsoft document and you're trying to format it in a certain way and it just decides that it's not going to allow you to do it? Uh, I remember at one point I was trying to do something. I was trying to leave something. I think for stylistic effect, I was trying to leave something lowercase, like the letter I as a standalone. Oh, and sure. I and I wanted to type it lowercase for some reason that eludes me now. And Microsoft Word just decided that wouldn't be allowed. And so every time I would type I and then move on, it would capitalize it. And I, I remember would... sitting in college fighting with it every time I would go to the next line. And it would put like two. It would capitalize it yeah. every time. And I'm sitting there going, no. I don't want it capitalized. <laughs> How about what this? if you're trying to use the numbered, you know, the numbered quote bullet points, if yeah. you will? And then it's it just for the life of you. It will not. You can't do like, you know, this topic and then one, two, three. Oh. And then another topic. And then it says, you know, four, five, six. No, please start again. And it, it's just. And my my final observation about this, and by the way, this is something that interests Tim not at all because he has Tim is actually making exaggerated yawning gestures as that we speak. That was exaggerated. That was real. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Tim with his with his max smugness is uh, Apple Land. Uh, he, I will say this: 
The worst thing, though, and, and I don't know why, I don't understand enough about computers, that when sometimes when Microsoft just decides something will be justified like center, and then you can't get it to go left, like for the life of you. Uh, and you're just, and it's all you can do to not pick up the goddamn computer and throw it off a cliff. Have you ever messed up the normal template and then just accidentally saved it? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you're going through, you know, Microsoft 700 different pull-down menus. And by the way, uh, this is not a criticism of our IT department because Troy and Will and the guys who work at CBS IT are actually very, very helpful. They've bailed me out of many problems, explained things to me. But... You know, but because it is CBS, occasionally they have to upgrade the software and give us new versions of whatever. So we've got this new version of Microsoft Outlook, and I don't know if it's on all the computers yet, but it's on mine. And it's like it, Microsoft's idea of upgrading is just to clutter with more and more things, functions you will never use, little little options that will that will never come in handy, things you have never asked to be able to do. Well, uh, if Microsoft would take kind of the um the WKRP, you know, more news, less Nessman. The, you know, more upgrades, less crap. Yeah, seriously. I want to know, you know what I want? I want to be able to have a Microsoft downgrade where they just strip away 90% of the options that I will never, ever, ever need. And it's like 20% of the cost. Seriously. Well, you know, they're still charging full price commercial. for XP. Just give me WordPad. That's all I need. <laughs> all right, thank there you. There is that Mac commercial that says, that says, yes, people have upgraded to a previous version. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Hi, Tim. How you doing over there? Fine and dandy. He doesn't have these problems. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Here's Tim Riley. Problems? Not me. <laughs> have you, has your computer even ever froze? Ever? Yes. I'm sure. just think about that for like five I seconds. I remember that Tim came in once and he was all flummoxed because his, his Mac had had a problem at one I point. I can't remember what it was. No, of course not. No, it's fine. I think it was... Well, the Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission was rattled by the discovery of 400 bottles of illegal booze, each containing a 10-inch rattlesnake in the bottle. Attention, Richie Bristol. After receiving a tip several weeks ago, agents raided Bio Bob's Brazos River Rattlesnake Ranch and Palo Pinto County. Fun for the kids. Come on by. After the reptile-infused vodka was sold to undercover agents, 411 bottles of the serpent sauce were seized. This is great writing. Who wrote this? I don't know, but it's terrific. Is, is this Metro copy? Uh huh. No, it's uh, uh, from Fox News. In my 20 years in Texas, I've never seen anything like it, said Sergeant Charlie Cloud. Uh, they plan to file charges this week for the sale of the alcohol without a permit and possession of alcohol with intent to sell. Penalty for those charges include up to a year in the county jail and fines up to $1,000. Infusing alcohol with snakes and scorpions is believed to possess aphrodisiac properties. The practice in which alcohol is uh, poured over the body of a snake or scorpion is popular in Asian cultures. Well, never mind. <laughs> All the more reason. <laughs> Are you listening, Mr. A.E.? <laughs> Copy points. <laughs> Copy points. Fantastic. Uh, all right, let's see here. What? Jesus, it's 1.30. Already. It is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It is insane. You would like a list of the things we haven't gotten to? I would. Okay, we haven't gotten to, uh, well, we've got It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. We've got the top five injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Uh, I've got this whole uh, vending machine uh, thing to get to. Uh, let's see, I got these, uh, we have these phone calls coming up. Of course, we have Jim Rube coming up. We have more news from, t- here's one. Listen to this. Um, well, I've got two here. I've got one about a mysterious happening on the Ross Island Bridge and one about an out-of-town Portland tell. Which do you want to hear? Tell. 
Rick, I was listening to Monday's podcast, and there was a caller that had an out-of-town tell. Sure, there are many people that immigrate to our fine city, but most manage to figure out that Tiger is not a Disney character. Back to the point, locals don't refer to the freeways as the in front of the name. For Los Angeles transplants... Oh, this is the same person who comes after me every time I say this. Really? Yes. He says with some rancor. It's one of those people who hates me with a passion. But yet listens every day? Yes. <laughs> For L.A. transplants, he said it is always the I-5 or the 84, even after years of living in Portland. This is the same email that gets sent to me every time I do this. I thought it became acceptable like two years ago, two years ago to put the in front of everything. I don't know. Well, to some people of the lower classes, it is not. <laughs> he said there are exceptions to this just to make things confusing. Portland's name of... Uh, uh, Portlanders name segments of roads such as the Banfield, the Sunset Highway. That is just nitpicking. The, the, Semantics. The Terwilliger Curves and the Mount Hood Highway, which doesn't really exist. I don't even know what we're thinking of, what we're talking about now. He says, a final stray thought. We all know where the Banfield starts, but where does it stop being the Banfield and start being I-84? Well, you should stop wasting your time writing these notes and do a little research, shouldn't you? <laughs> And <laughs> excellent. That's one to grow on, kids. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back with more. I have a half dozen people like that who constantly send this email over and over again. Carping and sniveling. I enjoy the I-5 and the Banfield and the 405. And we'll continue to address them as such. Others can change. I refuse. Mr. Relly, just sit down the line. <laughs> the more you know. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's a deeply flawed technology. That that tape is like satellite radio. It's one of those. Uh, it is sort of an incremental improvement, but it's clearly a transitional... Like an in-between... Exactly. It is a transitional technology that will be replaced by something else. I'm in love soon. with dads for no particular reason. Really? I just, yeah. That's a generational thing, probably. <laughs> well, because... When, that and mini-discs. I yeah, see, love mini-discs. Because mini-discs and dats came out almost at, almost at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they are both... Stopgap technology. They took off in Tokyo. People had like actual albums that they would buy from stores on them. I remember they tried to make a push for DAT tape. Uh, that's redundant. It's like ATM machine, but for for digital audio tape for like home use here, and that never worked uh, because they, they were expensive and sort of weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they were like they. And I remember for a while they were selling. You could go to the store and you could buy records on mini disc. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they figured out that radio stations were really the only people that were ever going to buy those. But, because we're all geeks. But DAT machines never really lasted at radio stations because if the heads get out of alignment or if the tape... The problem... This is a complete shop talk. But the, the, the problem with DAT is that the tape heads are still touching the tape, which means that over time it still wears it away, which means it mm. still it still wears out uh, as opposed to uh, digital. Um, it like a, you know, as opposed to like an MP3 file or a WAV file or something. And also, unlike a reel-to-reel, -reel, if you're using an old-school reel-to-reel and the heads get out of alignment or they need to be cleaned, you can just the average DJ can sort of fix it well enough to get it to work. Whereas like a DAT machine, you're just if it stops, if it breaks, you're just hosed. So I still remember my first reel-to-reel -reel edit. Oh. Uh, really? Oh I still, God! I still remember programmable cassette decks. Oh, me too. <laughs> You'll have like seven or eight cuts on them, and you mm -hmm. choose the one. But they weren't perfect. You had to go rock them back and forth to cue them up. Absolutely. Quarter turn back, Tim. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I do the editing by listening. I keep saying, and this is one of those great ideas I had that we then never pursued. Uh, like about 90% of the great notions that we float here, nothing ever came of it. But I really do feel like we ought to do a Radio Olympics at some point, uh, where you have to like slip cue a record. Yeah. Uh, you have to edit something on reel to reel. You have to hit a post. Uh, we would. You, I should really pitch that for the next like CBS all all company meeting, uh, where you get one representative from each station. This is a great idea. I'm going to pitch this to Dave McDonald, like, like the next time for we post have... For post-hitting? Yeah, well, but for the next time there's an all-company meeting, like some mm-hmm. big... You know, like Intercom, that one they had right before they fired everybody? Mm-hmm. Where we were at Barracuda, mm-hmm. where they gave us, where they told us all about turning your integrity to 11. Um, well, how about if we have, like, a summer outing and feature things like that instead of the three-legged race? <laughs> we'll have, like, slip queuing. I, I think it's a great idea. We haven't idea. done a company picnic in a while. Here's the thing, though. You would get one representative from each radio station. So Couple would give us somebody. Kink would get somebody. KUFO, Movin, us. Everybody would have one representative. And it would be like a five-course uh, five event. There would be queuing a record. Editing a reel, mm-hmm. hitting uh, hitting a post. Uh, God, what else would there be? It seems like you would segways. Doing a segue. There you go. Doing a segue. Uh, Manually changing to night pattern with a phaser and, and taking <laughs> transmitter readings with, with, with a dial. And doing, you're doing, running an EAS correctly. How many times you, have you gone to night pattern and didn't come back on the air? And the engineer is 70 miles away. I'll try it again. Thunk, thunk, thunk. We're still off the air. <laughs> Did you ever have a station that you actually had to turn on or off? Yes. I worked at a daytimer station, and I remember the one time I couldn't get the station to turn on. And it was like I, would, I kept hitting the switches, and nothing would happen. What, what happened? Just about when your heart hits the bottom of your stomach. Totally, you're like, I don't know. Uh-huh. Every time the drawbridge would go up in this town, it would knock the radio station <laughs> off the air. So I would have to, I would have to drive out to the transmitter and and manually turn it back on. And then if somebody really hated the station, they would take a coat hanger and tie it around the base of the tower so you couldn't sign on. Uh, so back I went out in the there, day when birds could knock off the radio station. Yeah. Right. So you go out and and find. Uh, a coat hanger tied around the base of the tower, plus pornographic magazines littering the entire transmitter site. That somebody had just a marvelous evening out there. I, 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 a marvelous I, I, I remember with pornography and tying coat hangers around the base of radio station towers. I remember, I remember working at a radio station once, and I think it was a daytimer station, and it was where there was the old. Um, it was a hallway full of big metal doors behind which were all the big tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would have to sign the station on. It was really beautiful. The, the tubes would light up, and they would glow, and it was really great. But I would go on in the morning, and I couldn't get the station to turn off for some reason. And for people who are uh, maybe uh, not uh, familiar with, with the radio of a bygone era, there were stations that literally you would turn off at night, at midnight, and you would turn them on at 6 a.m. And then there were daytimers, too, which they don't have anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they might have a couple of rounds, still. And so this, but this is like 6 a.m. I was trying to turn the station. I couldn't get it, and I called the engineer, and the engineer, same thing. And, of course, like many engineers, now, as I always say, we have engineers. We've been really lucky the last few years with our engineers. But this, there is a certain type of radio engineer for whom everything is a hassle. Everything is a pain. You that was always, my college station. Always, oh, we, everybody's had that guy, too. Everything you ask him to do is taking him away from something he'd rather be doing, some other more important project. And so this guy comes in, and literally, I kid you not, he comes in to the big uh, panel of switches and the big rack covering the, or the big, the, the big door covering the vacuum tubes, and he literally just braces himself and lifts up his boot and goes, wham, and just kicks the wall of switches and then flips it. And, of course, then, then everything signs back on. Mm. So 
Um, Jesus. Anyway, so ready. But if you were to do that, it would be a write-up, a three-hour lecture, and then you'd be chastised for the Seriously, rest of your life no, by the no, there would, engineering there department. Be some sort of a letter going in your file. Um, one of these, you know, one of those things I never, when we did the the last listener party, we had sort of a museum like the history of the Rick Emerson show. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. We confined ourselves it, it, really just to 98 until now, just my stuff in Portland. But I have, uh, like a lot of compulsive pack rats, I have saved a lot of stuff that I got uh, over the, I have uh, somewhere in one of my boxes of radio crap, I have this angry memo that I got when I was about 15 uh, from some guy who worked at one of the other stations because they had this automation system that was just terrible, and the station was constantly just going off the air, like nine things would be playing at once, and it was like some angry all-caps memo on a dot matrix printer. Uh, <laughs> they, he had, uh, the, 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 some angry little man had typed out to me and left in my box about how I was neglecting my duties by not keeping this other station across the hall on the air, and just this whole huge. It, there's whole. There's so many things about that era of radio. I just. Uh, I just don't miss at all. Uh, well, let's do these, and we'll do some more news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Hey, I just uh, wanted to see if you were an Iron Maiden fan, and if you heard about their uh, new tour, where Bruce Dickinson is actually flying the jet around the cities to fly the band around. That's pretty great. Uh, I'm kind of a casual Iron Maiden fan. Yeah, and the name of the jet, of course, is Ed Force One for A. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty fantastic. Which is awesome. And then I had one more question for you. Did yes, you uh, did you go to Tavac when you uh, grew up in Tri Cities? I'm sorry. Uh, Tavac, the uh, oh, the Tri City TV or whatever it was. Tri City Area Vocational Skills Center. That is where they to where they shuffle the dirtbag kids. So if you were like a car thief or a teen mom, they would send you off to this building wholly separated and isolated from the high school so you couldn't infect the others with your sickness. Uh, th- and that was where they had metal shop class, auto mechanic class. There were classes there where they would literally teach uh, teach uh, girls how to run a cash register. That was where you would go to take teen parenting classes if you were some uh, girl that got knocked up. And that is, of course, where the radio station was. Uh, so, yeah, I did spend some time there as a youth, yes. All right, all right. I spent two summers there as well with Mr. Carson's. Uh, yeah, that would, that would have, what year would that have been? Oh, geez, I don't know, man, like, uh, eighth grade, ninth grade, so 88, 89, somewhere in there? Yeah, I was a couple years after that, but, uh, yeah, the same, uh, probably the same radio station I worked at, yeah. Okay, well, right. thanks a lot. Well, have a good you, day, Rick. Friend. All right, there you go. Excellent. Uh, let's do one more here, and then we will, uh, do more news. Hello? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, how are you, Rick? How's it going today? What's up? Well, I was just laughing because of, of the, you were talking about the old days of radio. When I was in college, we had they gave us a transmitter to hook up to our college radio station. We turned the thing on, and we stepped over every single radio station within about 50 miles. And got on. <laughs> and, and, and That's so, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and we, we didn't know what was going on, but, I mean, the phone was ringing and all this stuff. And, of course, let's just say we were in a frame of mind where we didn't care. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Yeah, and it was all this punk college radio stuff, you know, kind of like one of your, you know, other stations here in Portland. Yes. But the uh, the people were calling, and we had no idea because we thought, man, the signal is awesome. <laughs> and, and it was just, and we, were, we, were, we literally wiped out every single radio station <laughs> That's for 50 wonderful. miles. Oh, good times. Yeah. Anyway, Excellent. Thank there's you, a, sir. There's a, great, there's a great old radio station. Wonderful. So, right. Thank Take you, care. my friend. Excellent. Ah, those are good days. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, (laughs) 
This is Tim Riley. So the cops say Matthew Woods targets people in the Craigslist, gains their trust, and then steals them blind. Apparently, uh, he used the site to meet someone at a bar. They end up going back to the person's house where Woods is accused of stealing $4,000 worth of stuff and running out the door. He stole a, a camera bag full of digital camera lenses, a computer, a flashing device, DVDs, and a jacket. As the ultimate insult, he also stole the victim's cell phone and used it to call a cab to take him home. <laughs> well done. I mean, in a criminal sort of way. Uh, they say he's hanging around uh, Southeast 39th and Powell. So why don't they go pick him up? Excellent. Wait, Southeast 39th and Powell? Yeah. yeah. Right by that, right by the... Uh, the check cashing right place. Right by the check cashing place <laughs> and the Safeway. <laughs> Excellent. So he's just sort of there. Yeah, basically. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> so go down and be taken advantage of. <laughs> Do it today, won't you? Well, uh, Tennessee has a new milking champion. She's State Senator Charlotte Burks. She lived on a farm all her life and says milking comes naturally. It's always been around cows, and, and uh, I've milked before, as you could probably tell. But I told them, I said, I had a sore hand, and, and I was supposed to do this. And I said, it's just amazing probably what I could have done if I had a, had two good hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best soundbite of the day. If someone just tuned in right now without hearing the preface. Can you that play that again? Let's give this no context. This is, uh, let's give this no context at all. Let's just play that one more time. Well, I do have some context for it. But let's not let's not give the context. Maybe I'll use this later in a later <laughs> newscast. I think so. Just play it once more and let's not... It's identify. always been around cows, and, and uh, I've milked before, as you can probably tell. But I told them, I said, I yes, have a sore hand, and, and I was supposed to do this. And I said, it's just amazing probably what I could have done if I had a, had two good hands. <laughs> <laughs> that little laugh at the end feels it. That's going to show up later this afternoon. <laughs> Wonderful. Ah, here's Tim Riley. Well, another uh, booted beauty has been cut from the all-new America's Next Top Ten. She's 20-year-old Amos. She's a lady named Amos. Uh, the Oklahoma native says she's glad to be out in the world anyway, regardless of what happens. I still want to model. And in a different circumstance, I think I can, I know I can be really successful in that. But it's just like, I can separate modeling and this reality TV kind of world. It was, it was too hard. Miyoki said she tried out for the show because she had nothing else going on in her life. I didn't have a job, and I wasn't in school, and I was just kind of like stuck in this rut back home, back in my hometown in Oklahoma. And I was just thinking, you know, what do I have to lose? It could be a great opportunity, and it proved true. Like, I'm, I'm so pleased and happy I did it. Now it's back to Oklahoma and more boredom for the rest of her life. <laughs> um, this email says, Rick. I'm so sorry to hear about your PC and Microsoft problems. I can't even tell you how many similar issues I've had. Oh, wait, none. Signed, Macintosh user. Thank you. Uh, let's see, how about this? Oh, this is from, uh, well, let's just say this is from somebody who works uh, here in the building with us. Uh, this is about uh, the new Outlook that we are obliged to use because of the Microsoft update. Rick, don't forget the abundance of icons throughout the new version of Outlook. Evidently, I'm not smart enough just to read attach file, and I need a huge paperclip icon for me to figure that out. It's stupid, and I hate it. Fine, Americans do need pretty pictures. To... Well, you know what I don't understand <laughs> about that? Here's the thing I don't understand about, about that. It, either have... What, what is the purpose of having an icon that then also has the label on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if it's a big paper clip and below that it says attach file, 
Doesn't it seem like at least one of those things is redundant? Either have the paperclip or, to save space, just have the thing that says, a button that says attach file. I'd like to know why I need a talking paperclip to tell me oh, how to God. use Microsoft don't Word. Even, don't even get me started <laughs> on a talking paperclip. But, I mean, wh- why do you need... I know that it sounds like I'm really nitpicking here, but it, it, I don't understand if the icon is so non-explanatory that you then need to put a huge label on it, why is the icon even there? Presumably, you have a paperclip there so that people can, you know, I guess so the, is it so like the illiterate can use computers? But really, what are they doing using Microsoft Word anyway? It just doesn't make any sense. It defies logic. And you'd have to read to attach a file anyway. That's what I'm saying. So... I don't really understand the point, but, you know, what can, I, what can you do? Here's Tim Riley. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for a Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen certain limit, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen, <laughs> there there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Happy birthday to the oldest U.S. satellite. It's still up there. It is the Vanguard 1. It turned 50 years old yesterday. It continues to orbit, just as it has done for many, many years. It has traveled 197,000 orbits, racking up 6 billion miles of travel. Only the Pioneer and of Voyager satellites currently speeding away on the edge of the solar system have gone further. Now, what does that satellite do? It does nothing. <laughs> the, the Vanguard's experiment and transmitter fell silent in 1964, <laughs> and it has there. been out of contact with the Earth ever since. I mean, does that surprise you? We dump garbage up there. I don't understand. I Then why were we shooting down that other satellite the other day? They forgot this one was up there. And, and you know, nobody wants to go after the old gray lady. Uh, uh, legally, the Vanguard one isn't space junk. It remains the property of the U.S. government and quite probably the property of NASA. The agency didn't even exist when Vanguard 1 was launched, but it took it over uh, in 1958. Uh, Government property is not subject to automatic salvage rights when abandoned as private property. Still, uh, some private company wanted to retrieve the satellite as a demonstration of its space repair capabilities, but the arrangements couldn't be worked out. So it's uh, still up there, and nobody knows what to do with it. Just just up there like Telstar, doing nothing. Yeah. All right. So it's uh, done nothing since 1964. Well done. Congratulations. So we have a lot of stuff up there already. Yeah. Uh, let's see here if I can find anything. I just assume things are crashing into the earth all the time, and it's just coincidence and luck that I haven't been killed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, it's smaller than the uh, Sputnik, by the way, in case you're wondering. Part two. Uh, TiVo said that it would deliver videos from Google Incorporated's popular website, YouTube, directly to television screens via its digital video recorders. Fantastic. The service would be available later this year for high-speed Internet subscribers who have TiVo Series 3 DVR. That'd be me. That's awesome. The users will be able to log on to their YouTube accounts directly from TiVo Box. Let me just say this. Uh, using my TiVo, which I'm... See, I'm Using about, my TiVo. I'm about, to, I'm about TiVo the way you are about the Mac. Mm-hmm. So using my TiVo, which is superior to all other uh, uh, DVRs, in my opinion, uh, I am able to not only uh, do everything that you can normally do with a DVR using my TiVo, uh, you can access this thing called the Amazon Unbox Service, which is where you can rent and or buy uh, any one of thousands of TV shows and movies, bam, directly to your TiVo. And I think Netflix now or is going to start pushing stuff directly to the TiVo. But, uh, they already have the Browse Instant feature, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's, it's so like last night I was just like flipping through, and you can go. And the thing is it's hooked into your Amazon account, and so it just gets billed on whatever credit card is already uh, at your Amazon login. 
And so you can just use the TiVo. You can go like you don't ever need to leave the couch again. It's fantastic. Uh, you could just uh, you know like if you missed an episode of a TV show or if you missed you know like you watch the entire season of something, uh, you just go onto your TiVo and it pulls it directly from Amazon right over your cable internet or whatever you have, uh, right onto your box and you That's watch it. That's pretty cool. It is. It's fantastic. Really, the TiVo is like. The so would it just sit on the TiVo? I mean, could you view it whenever? Would it be there permanently? Or? Uh, it depends on whether you buy it or rent it. If you rent yeah. it, I think it's there for five days or something. Five days or three viewings, something like that's like a buck ninety nine or whatever. So uh, the TiVo it continues to be like the single best thing I've ever purchased. All right, there you go. There's your uh, double geek watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. My Star's hammer. By the, the sons, sons of, of Warband. War I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Here's Tim Riley. Well, you've always wanted to see Star Trek alumnus George Takei singing country music. CBS plans to debut a new reality show, Secret Talents of the Stars, April 8th at 10. It'll feature uh, the former uh, Star Trek performer's vocal ability, model Cindy Margolis doing music, Donald Trump's ex-wife Marla Maples doing gymnastics, singer Maya tap dancing, and boxer Roy Jones Jr. rapping. Also expected to show up their secret talents are Sheila E., and uh, the working man's Ryan Seacrest, Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Rick Flair and uh, Sasha Cohen. All right. They'll also be members of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. <laughs> <laughs> Show business is really stupid. This really, this is like, and the rest. Anybody who does not have a reality show will be dumped onto this one. Didn't show business used to have some sort of no. amount of class no, at all, no, ever? No, no. It never it did. was never any better. No. It just feels like it keeps getting trashier and no, trashier. I think, I think it was always uh, trashy. It's just that they found more and more platforms and avenues to sort of uh, exhibit the trashiness. And we see more trashiness. It's that's, not limited to thing. three channels. I mean, really, it's, I've been talking about this book that uh, Tim gave me, this Raised on Radio book, which is fantastic. It's a yeah. great it's about the book of the golden uh, age of radio. And it all started back there. Exactly, and, and with vaudeville before it, I mean, where where things were tacky and trashy and stupid. Oh, I mean, with that vaudeville. was the definition of vaudeville. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just that there there really is just you know there's 500 channels you gotta fill it with something I guess. So what are you gonna do? Well, I don't know. We'll have Cindy Margola spin plates nude, you know, or whatever it is. So I mean, it's just sort of is what it is, as they say. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? What do you got? Uh, got three quick things. Uh, a uh, that Tower of Terror right, you guys were talking about earlier, yes. it is fantastic. It's it's really well done, and not it's not because it's particularly scary or or physical, but it's really well done. And they, while you wait in line, you kind of wind your through through this big building, and they tell you the story as you're waiting. Excellent. The funny the funny part of it, though, we went to the uh, we went to California Adventure at Disneyland. <laughs> My folks that were with us bought uh, they had a direct to DVD movie based on the ride starring Steve Gutenberg, and they gave up the <laughs> So let me understand this. There's a movie based on a ride based on a 40-year-old television show. Correct. Starring it's, Steve it's, Gutenberg. It's starring It's Terrible. Uh, no, uh, no, really? Did the you public see that? is clamoring for it. <laughs> did, did you see that interview with Steve Gutenberg about a year and a half ago where he was just like an absolute dick? Um, <laughs> they interviewed him, and they said, hey, so... And the interviewers were trying to be pretty nice. They're like, hey, so... Uh, so Steve Gutenberg, uh, you know, uh, what have you been up to? Haven't seen you around lately. He's like, F you! I made $500 million at the box office in the 80s. What have you done, a-hole? Like, he just unloaded on the guy. And I was like, dude, you're Steve Gutenberg. You have to have a sense of humor about these things. Uh, but he, he was just like the biggest bastard. Oh, the other thing I got yeah. is, or a couple other things. Uh, you didn't you just call to talk about Steve Gutenberg? 
Uh, no. All right. Uh, the Mount Hood Freeway thing, you mentioned Mount Hood Freeway, you didn't know what that was. Uh-huh. That was actually a freeway that would have gone east to west. It would have uh, basically torn out Powell. Uh-huh. Isn't that Highway 26? where the bridge ends. No, well, it would have rerouted 26. It would have either been also called 26 or would have rerouted 26. But in any case, it would have torn out Powell and been a, basically been an additional uh, north, uh, east to west freeway along with the Banfield. It would have alleviated a lot of congestion, but it never got off the ground. I can't imagine life without Powell. So now we have, like, the, the Columbia River Scenic Highway and... Right. Highway 26, okay. And, you know, in the gridlock, you get on eastbound 84 in the afternoon. But the thing is, the thing, the, there's one uh, the one thing you can see that actually would have, you can see evidence of where it would have been. There, You know those off-ramps that go uh, uh, nowhere, like at, mm-hmm. where I-5 and 84 come together, those off-ramps that just seem to end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were for the Mount Hood Freeway. Okay. But okay. Th- that they just like never... over by the Markham Bridge? Uh, there's Yeah, there's some of the Markham Bridge. There's some by uh, where you on 84 east. Uh, or I-84 westbound, getting onto I-5 north. There's another one that goes nowhere. That was another I- that was another Mount Hood freeway connection. Another proud uh, moment in Portland's history. Yeah. Uh, one other thing. Uh, I have a picture of the Powell Panhandler. If you want me to send it. Really? Of the uh, the, the pregnant woman? I got yeah. I got a couple pictures of her working the working. She's the, not uh, unattractive. <laughs> she's she's a pretty girl. No, I mean at least somebody found her attractive at least once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, one one other really quick thing. Uh, I got a buddy that uh, is trying to sell me his two HD DVD players, and he also has a mini display. Really? Of yeah. course he does. That's yeah, uh, you know what that guy is. That guy's an early adopter. Yeah, but he always fails. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you. That yeah, later. All right. Whole life made out of fail. Let's take a break here. We'll come back with James Roop from CNN. Uh, We'll do the top five uh, as well. Top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Uh, Plus more from Tim Riley. Your phone calls. Like us at three. Donna Mike at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. I got to get my nose hair trimmer fixed. I got this like, I'm sorry, I don't Thank even want to hear about this. Thank you for sharing. No, I got this nose hair that's just driving me crazy. And it's uh, it's just long enough to be irritating me because it sort of tickles. Short enough that I can't quite pluck it out. Who is this bed, by the way? I've always wondered. Uh, this is, I think this is Kanye West. Oh, okay. Like it's earlier beep. I believe so. Not entirely sure, but I... I think this is a Kanye West song. Uh, I don't think it's one that he himself. Mm-hmm. It's not like one, from one of his records. But I think it's. A, I think this is a track he produced well, he for somebody else. He used to else. be a beatman fully. Yes. So. yes, he was. So I think this is. I think this is a track he did for somebody else. In any event, so if I'm scratching my nose. I say to only Kristen. I guess it's because I've got this nose hair that's giving me some trouble. And I got this great thing from Conair that trims my nose hair, but then uh, one of the little battery posts is bent, and I can't quite get it to work. You so know, I... while you're trying to scratch your nose, that'll be when Dave McDonald walks by oh, and looks right. in the window. Completely, as I'm like a knuckle deep in my own <laughs> nostril. This is our uh, midday host. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, uh, we got to... Hey, Richie, are you, uh, are you able to hear me? Are you in your room as we speak? I'm now looking at the screen. All right. Do you want to do me a favor and uh, drop CNN a call about our friend uh, James Roop? So uh, we should be hearing from him at uh, at some point here. All right. Here's what's coming up in just a short while. 
Uh, we have uh, Tim Riley, who will uh, return to the studio here in just a short, uh, short while, and we'll have uh, more news from him. we got the top five coming up. Uh, top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. And here's the thing. A, there's a guy who uh, had one of these injuries happen to him, and he sent me a photograph of it earlier in the day. B, and this is completely true, it's just a coincidence. But So yesterday, I had the idea for this top five, and I forget exactly what it is that... I don't even know why I had this idea. I think it's because Sarah sent me this uh, some web page, and it was top five. It was it was 15 movie scenes that are hard. It was the 15 hardest scenes to watch, uh, and it was the 15 movie scenes like the ear cutting scene in Reservoir Dogs. It was the 15 movie scenes that are the most difficult to sit through. And then it, it was it made me think about like injuries and about whatever. Anyway, I somehow got it in my head that we should do this top five today of tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain, and it wasn't. I swear to you, like 35 minutes after I thought of the list, I actually injured my, myself in this fashion. One of these injuries actually happened to me. Uh, so we'll get that later on. Uh, we may or may not uh, have a chance to do another uh, Into the Wild DVD. Uh, so uh, be listening for that. Uh, like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7, and so forth. And by the way, somebody else somebody sent me another version of this story about former Jersey Governor uh, McGreevy who confirms reports of three-way sex with wife and aide. It says here, um, I guess the wife is disputing that it happened. Uh, McGreevy, though, said it did happen. He said, this happened, happened in my past. We need to move on with our lives. The Star-Ledger reported that Peterson, who is the chauffeur, said he only had sex with the woman, uh, Matos McGreevy, not the former governor, and was not sure if he was or is gay. Uh, the McGreevys are in the midst of an acrimonious divorce. She accuses him of hiding his homosexuality before and during their marriage and sued for damages. He said, this is the best part. He just says, well, she should have known I was gay, which is a great quote. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, who's this? This is John. How can I help you, sir? Hey, I want to know if that's uh, Sarah Wagner on that Match.com commercial where she says she uh, refused to eat a buffalo wing for $50. I don't... Uh, no, no, that's, that's a she's on song. another one. Um, that's actually just a girl talking about her vegetarianism, if I can... I, the Match.com thing is that's a national spot. Yeah. That was not made locally. Um, okay, because that sounds like her when that girl giggles on that. That sounds just like no, Sarah Wagner. No, but uh, you know who Sarah Wagner... You know who is Sarah Wagner? I know that sounds like poor syntax, but you know, you know what is Sarah Wagner is. No. Oh, I don't know if I should even say it. You should. <laughs> Listen to you and Instagram. Hey, hey, I got I got heckled for a week okay. over that two, so Southern Seas. Uh, two things. Uh, Kristen Bowie is the one on the South Sea Connections yes. spot who won't date bald guys. And uh, did they even tell you what it was for? What, what the commercial was for? No, no. They just had you read the line out Headed of context. Handed me the script, yeah. Read this. What's it for? Never mind. Read it. Oh no, I, I didn't ask, which is my fault. <laughs> Always ask. Always ask, just so you Lesson know. Lesson learned, my friend. I mean, they're they're a, they're a fine sponsor. We're glad to have them, but it it. It is always useful to ask to see the copy. Uh, that way you're not sort of caught unaware. Well, so you I, go, hey, I heard you in that spot for Asian wives. I, I back up all of our sponsors, but the thing is, is that I was one of those snotty American women yeah. <laughs> in the spot. So, that I, I mean, that kind of was hurtful. But. Well, one, one your more fault for not dating bald guys, yes? <laughs> Where did Tim get all that blonde hair? Uh Thank you. Uh, by the, but if you listen to the Jiggles commercial where the guy has uh, problems with his wife, uh, Sarah Wagner is, in fact, the girl who offers him a complimentary or whatever, a table dance. She's a Jiggles dance. girl. What does she, what does she <laughs> say? Excuse me, sir, would you like a dance in one of our VIP lounges yeah, or whatever? Yeah. That's Sarah Wagner. So there you go. Uh, 
Excuse me, sir, would you like to buy an annual? Hi, uh, is this... Uh, oh, wait, ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program, CNN radio correspondent and golden god, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How you doing, brother? Doing all right. Been a uh, been of a bit of a day on this end. How's your life going? It's been wild. I was trying to call you. Your line was busy. Is that true? When? Um, while you guys are trying to call me and you're sick of CNN on me. Oh, I, I, that's <laughs> no. not to be fair. We were making sure you were alive, Jim. He's waiting for you. No, no, hey, no. Tell no. them the line's busy. No. You know, Richie's, call, Richie's calling my cell. I'm calling you on the studio. Oh, line. I see. So we were attempting to call that's, on the same line that you were attempting to use. Most likely, that's the issue. All right, no, no. And please, just so I can uh, be very clear about this, uh, at no point do we wish to be uh, nagging about it. Uh, but we do know that sometimes events change, and then you obviously you get called somewhere else or some sort of a breaking story. So we sometimes do sort of call to clarify to make sure that we're not going to be taking you away from something, something important. I've been covering the conference on aging. All kinds of things are breaking. <laughs> <laughs> My hip. Uh, <laughs> Hips, ankles, arms. No, I didn't me, son. Sorry. Okay. My bones are half dust. Yeah. Uh, now, occasionally, uh, there'll be something where you get to, you know, something comes up or whatever, and so we'll be looking at the at the clock, and we'll be like, well, where did that darn Jim Roop go? And then we find out that you're covering, like, you know, it, like a nine-person hostage standoff or something. So, in any event. That'd be you, nice today. You're at an aging seminar? It's a conference. A con I'm sorry, an aging I conference? I didn't even know there was such a thing. What is it exactly? The conference on aging, man. What, well, you what know, is it a cover, really? Everything from financial security to health issues to what do you do when you can't take care of your house anymore? Fair enough. I, I was stupid, so nursing home. Uh, no, you don't go to nursing <laughs> no, home. Of course. What well, kind of foods go best through a straw? Exactly. You know, yeah. I think those are major concerns. But, you know, there really are the number of baby boomers that are out there. Uh, and it's increasing the the 65 plus population, and so we're living longer, we're living better, and we don't have any money at the end of that lifespan. And so all these financial issues and fraud issues, identity theft issues, and how to avoid scams. Um, don't answer your phone, don't answer your door. That's my sense. Well, I think there's a whole uh, generation who uh, never really expected to be old, not in the sense that they thought that they would be dead. But just, I think the baby boomer generation is probably... Oh, the, yeah. I mean, the, I'm talking to people today, they're 82 and over, and they're just, they're like deer in headlights. Yeah. They, they weren't ready to be around as long. Right, because that's the thing. And, and I think I think baby boomers especially had that sort of, like, we are eternally youthful thing going on. Uh, and then, you know, and then, and then the first time you, like, are passing a gallstone or something, you realize that's not necessarily so. Yeah, you're um, absolutely right. Yeah, what can you do? Uh, hey, so I, here's the thing about Hollywood culture is sort of fascinating to me because there's all kinds of things that sort of happen there that don't happen in other cities uh, and or states. Like this, that, as the slug says today in the uh, in the CNN prep sheet, says, forget Obama versus Clinton versus McCain. There's a much bigger office to worry about. Hollywood is looking for an honorary mayor. Yeah. So what does the mayor, what does the honorary mayor of Hollywood well, do? It, it, there's, Hollywood's part of the city of Los Angeles. But there has been an honorary mayor. Johnny Grant has been an honorary mayor for several decades. Before that, Monty Hall. Uh, that, was it really Monty Hall? Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, Fantastic. Fact, he's, he's up for it again now since Johnny Grant died. I, did, I thought Monty Hall was dead. Oh, gosh, no. He's, he's 86, I think, but he's nowhere near dead. That guy's going to be around for a long time. He's like Andy Williams. He'll be around for a long time. The Reaper asked him if he wanted to uh, trade his mortality for whatever was behind door number two. Yeah, really. Carol Merrill still standing Behind door number two is a sickle. No, I'm sorry. I blew that joke. A scythe. That's okay. Ah, whatever. We, we knew what you meant. <laughs> Behind door number two is your doom. We knew. There you go. There you are. <laughs> but you know, uh, and and I had a, 
I had a great conversation with uh, Gary Owens. I used to work with Gary Owens. Yeah. And, and he's such a cool guy. And, and we must have, I don't know, must have talked for an hour. And I used two cuts from him, <laughs> you know, because nothing was relevant. But uh, he's up for it, too. And I think he'd be the best one to take over for Johnny Grant because what that mayor does, and there's no paycheck involved. It's just it's just basically you're an MC and a goodwill ambassador uh, trying to keep uh, Hollywood alive, if you will. Yeah. The Golden uh, the Stars, the Walk of Fame thing. That's pretty much what they do. And so, they, okay, well, fair enough. So I think I'm going to demand to be the honorary mayor of Portland. Uh, I'm just going to... Uh, you, should, you should be. You should I should be just crown myself that. It freaks me out, man. Whoever's a, Somebody ought to be in charge of those cars you can just get into. The flex morning. car? Whatever the hell that is. That's right. That's the weirdest thing ever, man. I think it's beautiful. I remember you commenting on that when you were up here last year for the listener party. Yeah, you, people just park that, leave the keys in, and somebody else gets in. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you never. Yeah, I would never buy a car. It would never work in L.A. You just get back and just be a bunch of lug nuts on the ground. Yeah, those cars would be gone. <laughs> they'll, be in, they'll be in Arizona. They'll be in Mexico. <laughs> There'll be, be, be 4,000 L.A. flex cars in Mexico. Parted out with the serial numbers filed off by the with end of the day. In the trunk. Yeah, hell yeah. Unbelievable. It is. Portland is a city quite unlike any other, my friend. You know, we're just now starting to get those uh, uh, parking meters where, you know, there's just one meter on the street. Oh, we that got those. That freaks me out, too, because I couldn't use that thing. When I parked the rental car, I'm thinking, how do I, how do I, a kid's no slot for the money. Yeah. You know? No, there was. Those are really righteous because the great thing about those, that is one of the things that, at which Portland is very, very good, is things like that. Um, public it, service, beautiful. Oh, man, we have the best public transit system here, really. I mean, it, it is, you really, I mean, having a car is, is important if you live in the suburbs, but if you like live in the city proper, you could pretty easily get by without a car most of the time. The, the great thing about those parking meters is that you can use the money even if you go and park in a different space. You don't forfeit the money if you leave the space. Yeah, That's you just the leave the sticker thing. on your car. Yeah, that you leave the sticker in your window and you're good no matter where you park. That's the See, best it, thing about that. They those. got those things in Vegas, but if you move, you're screwed. Oh yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the Vegas is uh, yeah. No, if you try to yeah, if you move at all, yeah, you it's it's, it's you immediately the shaft. Yeah, uh, but I just love that city, man. It's so smart. But I'm telling you that that stuff would never work here. No, no, no. Uh, Los Angeles does have a, a bit of a different vibe to it. Oh, uh, now I keep wanting to repaint that Monty Hall joke in my head until it works. Like a uh, see, now I'm picturing Monty Hall in the audience, but like the Reaper is the host, and he's sort of uh, now I it is, Monty Hall. It it is your time. I have come for you to take you, unless you have a toaster in your purse. I happen to have one. Now, nah, see, I, now I feel like there's something there, and I'm just not getting it. I'm, I'm not batting a thousand. I'm getting, I'm at like eight out of ten today. Could probably well, work as a skit. Yeah, I gotta keep it going because at some point we're gonna need an open material. I gotta <laughs> start working. I'll start working on it now. On hey, by the way, if I can just say this, there was a great Britney Spears uh, thing today. Uh, let's see if I can find this here. Um, if I can find this, let's see where is the God? Where is that Britney Spears thing? Britney Spears had the there was the best headline about her and it was in the the Daily Mirror uh which uh, you know is a London tabloid and they're so great because they don't gild the lily at all. I mean they really are much more brutal than even the worst American tabloid. Um they had this one the other day of Nicole Kidman where they were talking about how Nicole Kidman is addicted to Botox and they flat out just said Nicole Kidman has a face of a bat and then to underscore it literally was a photo of Nicole Kidman next to yes a picture of a bat. Um, no, no, no. It's even not as good as today. Today, here's the headline. This is from today's Daily Mail. Britney Spears reveals her unsightly elephant legs. And then below it is the worst photograph ever taken of Britney Spears' legs. 
And then the caption says, Chunky Britney Spears revealed her cellulite-ridden legs yesterday. She reportedly visited a liposuction specialist in an effort to banish her cellulite, clearly to no effect. It's really gorgeous in a train wreck sort of way. <laughs> it's awful. I got I to gotta be honest with you, though. In one of these instances where she pulled into the courthouse and pulled back out again, uh-huh. uh, she did, I think the first one, she was wearing a, it looked like a black cocktail dress, actually. Right. She got out. I'm thinking them legs are pretty good. I Maybe it's a thing where they caught her like in mid-stride and there was some unpleasant flexing and jiggling, maybe. I mean, tabloids have really raised the maybe, capturing maybe you. Maybe she just was wearing some real good support hose when I saw her. You know, I don't know. It's a, you know, They really do look meaty. It, meaty. <laughs> no, she... That, <laughs> I love you, Sarah. No, I no, swear. No, no, that's, I'm sorry. I should say this actually not Sarah. They're pretty beefy. So, actually, this is our good friend Kristen Bowie. Sarah is out today. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, but, no, no, you're fine. Kristen Bowie, who was just funny there. Kristen, that was beautiful. No, Thank really, you. That really is the best word to describe it, too. Yeah, so perfect. All right, my, uh, my friend. Are you on tomorrow? Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise. All right. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We will have a speaks with you very soon. Thank you, Shin. All right. There you go. Thank you. That's uh, James Roop. All right. Let's take a break. Come back. Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour with more news and the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Stay there. Really, someday we're going to charge money just for people uh, who want to be able to hear what we're talking about during the commercial break. It's almost always unairable. Get it sponsored. Get it all <laughs> uh, Let's see. So here's what's coming up. we got the top five. Uh, we've got some phone calls to get to here. One of them says, about motion sensors in the bathroom. This, however, is Tim Riley. <laughs> Tim Riley. I'm sorry. Well, I'll just start. It doesn't matter. The there we go. This is Tim Riley. Sea lions must die. The parents have authorized the lethal removal of sea lions that eat the migrating salmon and steelhead at the base of the Bonneville Dam and Columbia River. Uh, the killings are limited to 60 sea lions as authorized for, quote, immediate removal. With extreme prejudice. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time before they turn against humans and eat us. <laughs> you should get Tim Ryan to go protest. What do you expect, Mother? I'm half machine! <laughs> What? You should go get Tim, Timmy Ryan to go protest. That's a great idea. I think we should. Uh, golfer Tiger Woods has bought himself a $65 million Hamptons home on the ocean. The six-acre estate has 13,200 square feet. It is a Colonel Revival main residence and a 7,500-foot guest house, a four-car garage, and staff quarters. Right, I'm calling it right now. $65 million home is like a $10,000 hooker. There's just no point. That's just being showy. It has a seaside pool, spa, a tennis court, and a lily pond. Okay. Oh, boomers are all getting Alzheimer's. Or if they haven't, they're going too soon. A new study shows about 79 million baby boomers have an 18% chance of getting Alzheimer's disease. 
The oldest will be turning 62 this year, which means they're entering the risk zone. Uh, the new survey shows one in eight boomers will be diagnosed with dementia disease. It has no cure. More than 5 million people have Alzheimer's today. And according to the study's results, another half million new cases will appear before 2010. Beware of uh, baby boomers who are confused. And that's it for now. All right, shall we do the top five? By all means. All right, here's the top five. Let me do uh, two of these calls here, and then we'll uh, roll the top five. Okay, here's what we got. Parking meter suck, it says. Uh, motion sensors in bathroom or chat with Rick. Chat? Yeah, I was going to say chat with Rick. All right. Oh, wait. There's been a fourth one now. Or honeymooners getting run over by a truck. Do we still feel chat? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, hello, uh, sir or madam? Hello, it is a sir. Hello, hi. Hi, Rick and uh, everybody. I just want to say, Rick, um, the AEs at 70 a.m. must love you. They they do indeed, sir. Because if I, well, I was an AE a long time ago in that grand radio market of Las Vegas, and if I had had an on-air personality that chatted up about my accounts on the air like you do with South Seas Connections, yes. I would never have gotten out of the business. It's what we do, sir. <laughs> You're you're the AE's friend. Well, you know what, sir? We uh, as much as we poke fun at the at the salespeople, uh, and Tim Tim and I have noted this. You know what? I got to tell you this. It, it is it's sort of easy uh, to make fun of salespeople because, you know, the obvious. Sure. Uh, I will tell you this. A few years ago, I actually uh, tried selling my own program uh, for a hellish six month period. That was like the worst time I've ever. I have never wanted to die more in my life than when I was having to do a radio program at night and then trying to sell it during the day. So there are those who can sell, there are those who cannot, and uh, it really is a skill that I don't have, and I sort of respect. The Lord gives you either gene, but not both. That's the thing. Oh, and cold calling's horrible too. I I respect. Oh Jesus! And I mean, I really respect people who can go and make a living Mm -hmm. uh, doing that because, as Alec Baldwin says in Glenn Greg Glenn Ross. I was in sales. It's a tough racket. I couldn't do it, sir. So uh, well, we, we never forget from where the money comes. Keep it up. Best show ever. Thank Bye. you, my friend. There you go. All right. Uh, let's do one more, then the top five. Oh, here's your choices. Parking meters suck. Motion sensors in bathroom. Honeymooners get run over by truck. Motion think... sensors in bathroom. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, thanks for voting for me, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime I can help. Do yeah, not hesitate. Well... You, uh, just like I was about a week ago, you were talking about motion sensors and how you hate that you can't get enough soap or you can't get enough paper. Oh, dude. Well, first of all, it's not – you either don't get enough or you get it when you don't need it. Can I just tell you, I was microwaving something in the, in the uh, kitchen today, and for no readily apparent reason, the paper towel thing just began spitting out paper towels. You know, I was in the women's bathroom and washing my hands, and it just started – there's a motion sensor soap dispenser on the side, and it just starts spitting out soap at me. I'm not – for it. And then, of course, when you do ask for it, and here's the other thing about the, the soap dispenser, it gives out a pittance. I mean, really, not enough soap to clean anything, unless you're like a Lilliputian. And so you have to put your hand underneath it, get soap, wait for it to reset, put your hand underneath, get more soap, wait for it to reset. Same thing with paper towels, where it only gives out like six inches worth of towel, which is not enough. So you're going to have to, like, go back two or three times, and it takes about four seconds for it to kick back in. It's like at some point someone decided that Americans are too dumb to decide how much soap and paper towels that they need. Seriously. I pity the guy who has to change all the batteries once yeah. a month. So when it goes off when you're not wanting it, is that like a ghost sensor? I don't know. I think it's just I think it's just poorly designed. I mean, I really I don't it's know the answer. It's too sensitive. Uh, I will say this. At home, I have both a motion-activated trash can and a motion-activated paper towel dispenser in my kitchen. That's pretty great. They're from the, uh, no, they're from the SkyMall catalog. They both work flawlessly. 
That's beautiful. All right. Oh, Skymo has a jingle now. Anything else, sir? Well, yeah, I didn't get to it yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. Go ahead. Yeah, so, like, today is in Portland. It's kind of raining, spotty. I I leave my house on my scooter. It's blue skies. Everything's great, nice and dry. And now it starts to pour rain when I get on 205. So now I'm truly trying my best to stay dry. But then I have to go into a restaurant and use the restroom, and uh, all the work I've been doing to stay dry went down the drain, no pun intended, because when I took my helmet off, and you know how you want to be dry. Yes. Uh, for some stupid reason, I set it in the sink because there's nowhere else to put it. And, that and would be like the, the cleanest place to put it. And the faucet and the turned motion, on. The motion sensor turns on and my helmet's full of water. Ah, uh, fantastic. Let me. That's like when I uh, I had to pick up my wife from the airport a while back, and I'm in the bathroom, and I had um, I'd gotten something in my eye. It was like I was having I was allergic to something. I'd touched dust in my water. Anyway, so I'm trying to wash my eye out because it's sort of getting red and watery and whatever, like a hay fever thing. And, of course, the, the bathroom at the airport has those motion-sensing things, but it's designed to shut off after, like, a second. And so I would put my hands in there, and then it would turn off, and, no, I didn't, and, and, more, please, no. Sir, and I, it's like, and I'm half-blind, scrabbling around like a rodent, trying to get the sink to work. It was just the most frustrating thing on Earth. So, uh, all right. How about, how about the idea, worst sound ever? Another recap. I'm sorry? The worst sound ever. You did that also last week. Yes. So. Uh, styrofoam rubbing together. Oh, now see, that doesn't bother me. It's sort of weird, but it's not off-putting. Ah, well, screw right. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Me. <laughs> bye, Tim. <laughs> oh, bye, Tim. I don't even get a bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. No, nothing but respect for the host. <laughs> Tim, that's how you the capture... The audience loves you, Rick. how you capture that 18- to 44-year-old demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Here's your top five for Tuesday on the Rick Everson radio program. That's wonderful. Five, four, <laughs> that's the sort of two, That's the sort of admiration one, and love the show fire. commands. <laughs> oh, man. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to Jesus. do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Here's Tim Riley with your top five. Well, given that life is both pleasure and pain, and that we spend any number of top five extolling the virtues and wonders of our existence, it only seems fair that we take a moment to ponder the dark side of our own day-to-day experiences. Once these experiences, uh, one of these experiences is pain, so we delve right into this. With these, the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionately amount of pain. So these are the top five injuries where the injuries themselves are very tiny, but the pain they cause is all out of proportion. Audible mentions scraping the roof of your mouth with a brace of food. Okay, so that's like when you uh, F up the roof of your mouth with Captain Crunch. Tim's Cascade Potato Chips. Tim's Cascade Potato Chips. uh, Also Doritos. Mm. Uh, The judges would also accept... Have you ever had, like at the Lair Hill uh, Deli, they have... It's like a crostini kind of bread, Mm. where the bread is really good, but it's got that... It's like the bread has some sort of uh, Colgate invisible shell, where you kind of go... And you bite into it, and the crust of the bread is so sharp that it's like abrading the roof of your mouth. And that one is one that you don't notice when it's happening. You notice it the next morning. And you're running your mouth, your tongue over the roof of your mouth compulsively. And or when you drink orange juice. Exactly. Oh, yeah. you, you put that Listerine into your mouth and... Ah! And then you just... And you kind of wonder, but you don't really want to see what the roof of your mouth looks like. 
These are the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Five, accidentally biting your tongue. Accidentally biting your tongue. Or the side of your mouth. Or the side of your no. mouth. Worse because if you bite the side of your mouth, it swells, and then you bite it over and over again. Did you ever Same bite, place. bite the inside of your lip? Yeah, and then you hit it twice more with your teeth before the Try day is over. Try having braces and doing that, yeah. No. I never had braces, so I wouldn't know, but that must be a special kind of hell. Yeah. Uh, biting the tip of your tongue really sucks. Mm. Uh, especially because, man, when I, can I just tell you this? When I was in school, uh, I was playing uh, some sort of recess game, and a uh, kid knocked me over from behind, and I bit not through my tongue, but deeply into my tongue. Because it was sort of stuck out, and I went, uh, and bit deeply into my tongue with my Why front teeth. Am I getting that to stop bleeding, too? No, no, I didn't. And I had, I had to eat just like mush and jello for weeks after that. It uh, swelled up to the size of a ham. That was all kinds of unpleasant. These are the top five tiny injuries which cause a disproportionate amount of pain. Number four, stubbing your toe. Stubbing your toe, uh, especially when it's cold. You work, when it's cold in the house or maybe you get up in the middle of the night, always on a coffee table. And did you ever notice this? You never stub your toe on something soft. You never stub your toe on, like, a bunny slipper. You always stub your toe on the underside of a 5,000-pound coffee table. I always Bam! step on, like, a, a plug with bare feet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anything that you do ever. to your foot in the middle of the night sucks. Mm-hmm. And it always happens when you're already running late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Or half asleep. And you start, wham, Jesus, God. Did you ever anything hurt more? <laughs> did you ever did you ever do this? <laughs> did you ever do this? Did you ever catch your your small toe on something like on the edge of a coffee table and it sort of tears the toe to the right? You kind of go, ah! Yeah. And it sort of pulls your your small toe off at an angle. That really makes you wonder how we evolved at all. That's a unique form of pain. These are the top five tiny injuries which cause a disproportionately large amount of pain. Number three, the paper cut. The paper cut. Got one the other day, actually. Here's the thing about the paper cut. We all acknowledge that the paper cut hurts like hell. And I mean, it hurts for hours. Yeah. The pain doesn't go away no matter what you put on. Your day is ruined. <laughs> it ruins your whole day. It takes forever to heal. But here's the irony of the paper clip, uh, paper cut. The paper cut, uh, as the guy says in that TV show action, it hurt like hell. The paper clip hurts. Uh, paper cut hurts like hell. But at the same time, you're almost not allowed to complain about it. Because if you go, God, this is, I'm in the worst pain ever. What'd you do? People it's, look at you like you're ridiculous. And even even though they know it hurts. Yeah. What's, what are you complaining about? I have a paper cut. Oh, you have a paper cut. And you just want to go punch them in the face. I worked at a printing shop during college, so oh, a constant. A, a occupational constant. hazard. Yeah. Did you ever get a paper cut in your tongue? No. I did that licking an envelope one time. Oh. Let's all picture it. I'm, oh, oh, I'm sealing oh. the envelope. Yeah. Oh. Slide the edge of the envelope across my tongue. Oh. And it's not just the actual pain you once it's bad, over. You have a lot of bad luck with your tongue. I do. <laughs> it is. It's not just the pain once it's over. It is the actual feeling of the uh-huh. the rending apart of your flesh by the mm. paper. Number right. two. Yes. A small object caught in your eye. So how about like an, an eyelash caught in your eye? Uh, if you've had contact lenses, do you ever get that folded over? Oh. Damn. And then it gets stuck See, right at the, the very eye bottom. Thing. I think it's a yearly thing for me. I have horrible hay fever, so it's like glass in your eyeball constantly for three months. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I mean, I've gotten, yeah, I've gotten not only the eyelash. I've had the worst of both worlds, where you get an eyelash caught underneath your contact lens. Oh, an Ooh. eyelash underneath your contact lens. I when I used to, have, I used to have really, really long hair, and I did the horrible thing one time of putting a so bad. This is the worst pain. Going to put my contact lens in, 
unbeknownst to me, a single very long strand of hair was sort of oh. over my eye. Mm. So I, <laughs> it's horrifying to him just to hear it. So I put the contact lens in. Immediately it starts to hurt because unbeknownst I have sealed a hair oh. between the lens. And so what do I do? I put my hand underneath and I flick my hair back, which then rips the hair across oh. my eye underneath oh. the contact. Oh. You could have heard me scream on the moon. Oh. That was the worst, the worst eye pain ever. Number yeah. one. These are the top five tiny injuries that cause a disproportionately large amount of pain. Accidentally tearing your fingernail. Uh, or I would also accept bending your fingernail yeah, flipping backward. Flipping it over. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I did? Kim, you have to hear this. You know what I did yesterday? <laughs> this. Now, this is, I made up this list yesterday afternoon. You know what I did immediately after making up this list? I went to lunch. The woman says, that'll be $5 for your sandwich. I carry this money clip, which I love, which is one of the best things I've ever bought, this Kenneth Cole money clip. But it does have this little edge on it. The money clip is facing upward in my pocket. I jam my hand into my pocket to grab the money clip. The edge of the money clip, shung right underneath my fingernail, which immediately starts to bleed uncontrollably. Yeah. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest newsman in the history of the world. Final, he cringes and runs away. Final fingernail story. Here's another one. Speaking of tearing your fingernail, so I was working in a kitchen one time, put my hand into a garbage disposal. Somebody had left a knife blade up in the garbage disposal. Blade zing, right underneath my middle fingernail. Was that here? No, that was a long time ago. Oh. Long time ago. There you go. You should be like you're not a girl trying to have the manicure. Oh. Fingernails. Uh, did you ever uh, acrylics bending your fingernail mm. back though, and then there's that crease in the line, yeah. and that that is a special and kind the bruising. Of, oh, that doesn't go away for like six months. That's one of the worst pains ever. Yeah. Did you ever see that Twin Peaks uh, where there there's a, a a small piece of paper caught underneath the victim's oh. uh, a corpse's fingernail, yeah. and they, sh they they do the close up as he shoves the tweezers under her fingernail to pull it out. Oh. Yeah. There you go. There's your top five. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, this email says, I knew you were going to bring up stubbed toes. I stubbed the hell out of my fourth toe last night on a door, and I can barely walk today. The worst part of stubbing your toe is the eight seconds it takes for the pain to arrive. You stub your toe, and then for some reason the pain isn't immediate, so you spend an eternal amount of time waiting for it to hurt like a bitch before it ever actually happens. There you go. Uh, apologies to those on hold. No time to be fair to another caller today. Uh, we'll get you on uh, tomorrow. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent uh, Mark Shearer, Jim Roop, and Lisa Desjardins. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson Show produced today by Kristen Bowie and for Sarah Dillon. Uh, on the phones, Richie, uh, phones, Richie Bristol. Uh, Dave's in as the gatekeeper in the newsroom. It's Tim Riley. Bridget from upstairs is the webmistress and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Susan Reynolds. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. Uh, as always, my friends. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes and all that. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Bye now.